Broadcasting live, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I'm your host, Honest Abe of KMA, episode number 408 on this fine Saturday morning. And as always, I am joined with my trusty cohorts, the Italian scallion himself, Paul DeGracco, and the man, the man better known as the GOAT, Alex Tavella. There he Good is. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. So, Paul... <laughs> Oh boy! You, you were at Disney again this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, was. Yes. Seriously, how much can someone take of that place? How many times a year do you go? I mean, during normal times when it's not COVID mania, probably every other month. That's a lot of. I mean, listen. That's a lot of Disney. We, that's a lot of. Disney. We enjoy it. What do you? We enjoy? don't always the heat. The we don't always time. go to the park. The crying kids. I mean, what? What? We we don't always go to the parks. Uh, we like the atmosphere. We usually stay uh, at one of the Disney Vacation Club resorts. So, like the deluxe resorts, like the Boardwalk or, you know, Contemporary or you know Grand Floridian things like that, and and enjoy. My my dad has the Vacation Club, so we use his points a lot of the time. So it doesn't cost us anything to stay in the hotel. Um, and we enjoy the atmosphere, and we have season passes, so if we want to go to the park, you know, the thing about having season passes is if you want to go to the park for, like, an hour, it's not a wasted 150 bucks. We already paid for the for the tickets for the year. That's great, but what do you do for an hour? You go get in one ride and leave? <laughs> you go get in line and leave if, before yeah, you get in what, ride. No, no, no. You do, during non-COVID times, you do fast passes. So you know what time you have to get in there to get on your to get on your ride. Still, uh, an hour. you can what are you, going you can do three rides. rides. Yeah, two rides, but but we enjoy the atmosphere, man. Like I don't know, it's hard to explain to people that aren't Disney people, like how the the atmosphere. I wish that. Damn it! We, so what we have to do is we're getting we're gonna have on the show, um, Alec Rubin, and he's gonna talk about his Disney obsession, which nobody knows about. So him and his wife are super, super Disney fans too, and they do the same thing. It's like nice to just go and like be there in the atmosphere. Are you guys both like members of Disney Anonymous? How did you guys find this out? <laughs> it was a we had a random conversation last week and uh, found out that we we like a lot of the same things. <laughs> All right, interesting. So. I don't know, I like the atmosphere, man. I like the fake atmosphere that they present, the theatrical kind of like picturesque world and going to Epcot and going to the, just walking around the countries and maybe grabbing a drink and having a snack. And now with COVID, it's empty there too, which, you know, we were hesitant to bring the kids to the parks, but there's nobody there, man. It's, I feel safer in there than I do going into the supermarket here in South Florida, honestly. Alex, you take your kid to Disney yet? 
I have not. Um, he's now in that range. You know, I didn't want to take him when he was two. What was the point? You know, for I agree. So yeah, he's now, <laughs> right. And then he was four, and his COVID. So now he's five. You know, after COVID or now is kind of the time. He so he's in that range. But we, we might have to do a Disney weekend. Yeah. We 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 took our kids about four years ago. All the girls were old enough to appreciate Disney. Asher was in a stroller. Um, but the, none of the girls are old enough to go to Universal. So now I think in another year, they'll be in that range where we could take them all to Disney and then a couple of the older girls we could take to Universal and they'll right. enjoy that and get more out of the trip. And that would be my last Disney trip ever. Can we, can we just do that? <laughs> ever? Can we do that in the next four months? Why the next four months? Because then if it's not in the next four months, then I have to drag a newborn around. Disney, ah. <laughs> which sets me I, back another five smart. years. I, I forgot. I forgot. Uh, yeah, we might. Well, the, the kids aren't out of school. Maybe we just gotta go for a weekend. I guess. Yeah, go for a long weekend. Listen, so, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. Otherwise, if 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 we would, would have to fly, we wouldn't bring babies there. If you had the like, it makes no time, sense. Go either. <laughs> well, no, I pay. F- no, 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 no. I pay. I pay for a hotel half the time usually. But but you get deals being Florida residents, so sometimes yeah. you can get what would be like a five hundred dollar hotel room for like two hundred bucks for the night, and you stay in like a one bedroom suite. You know, we always get the suite so we can put the kids to bed, and then you know, drink wine sitting out on the balcony, looking out at the boardwalk, or you know, whatever, wherever we are. Go to go to Animal Kingdom Lodge and sit outside and sip wine and watch the giraffes at night. You're and so, zebras. You're so romantic, Paul. <laughs> but I agree. If we didn't have to, if we had to fly, and it was a big, big trip, like we, I don't get why people bring kids under five there. Right. But for us, we enjoy it, and it's a two-hour drive. Yeah, it's not drive, like it's no a big, right. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we do it so much. So Matt Booth is uh, listening, and I don't know if anybody caught me on the smoking tobacco show. Uh. Is it yesterday? No, I didn't see that or, one. Before yesterday, yeah, I was uh, with Matt and Nicole on the Smoking Tobacco show. And Matt, they played an audio bite because I guess Matt Booth was on the night before. And he confessed his infatuation to gnaw on my hot dog rolls on the back of my head. Yeah, he's he's said that before. That's it's, yeah. He, yeah. Yes. So I, I, I think we just should send him one of the uh, Honest Abe Challenge coins. So he could gnaw on the hot dogs on the coin. That way, he's got a little. Wait, wait, hold on. Let me get on you. Let me. Let me. Oh, they are back there. Oh yeah, they're back oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we may have to send him a uh, honest age challenge coin so he can gnaw on the. Let hot me dogs. ask you a question. Yeah. Was the art for the back of that character? I, I know you answer, had the character. Was it? I want to answer that. I want. Let me answer that, please. Okay. So was the art for the back of that character already made? Abe sent it back saying there's no hot dogs on the back of my head. It just looks like a... (laughs) It doesn't look. It doesn't look. It's just a blank. It was just flat. He said it's, you know, I need a little... What happened... I commend that. What happened is, is the guy who who did the work, who's a really good artist, I I don't know if some people didn't get the perception or whatever, but literally the the back of me on on the one he was going to make was not what would be a back view it was literally like a front view just reversed yeah like you could understand it oh and it was so weird and and the face was just skin color with no definition and the hand like on the front was showing through the back i'm like this is not how it would be and i was trying to explain it to him i was even drawing it on paper and he didn't get it (laughs) so finally 
we called our graphic guy and said, look, you got to design the back of this because I'm trying to explain this to him. He's not getting it. And he got it. So our guy actually did the back. Yeah. And uh, we had the hot dogs put in. <laughs> so you had to design. Hey, listen, I give you credit. It's true to life, that that thing. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have been. It would have been well, real it did. weird. It just looked like a blank. The back looked like a blank front. Yeah. Right. Was, so they just took all the graphics off the front and made it the back. Yeah, yeah I see what you're saying. Very weird. And, and I, after I, I gave up, I couldn't explain it. I just told them black out the back. Just make the black all back, and we'll That's put a logo on it. I did. And then Alex is like, "No, I don't like it." I said, "Well, you know what? Let me send this to our guy Rivers." And Rivers did it. And real he nailed good it. Job. He, did. he nailed it. He did a good job. That no, it looks good. I have to say. I, I like the fact that you put the hot dogs in there, man. True to form, man. True to form. Though the hot dogs are getting a little smaller. They used to be like big, you know, mega sausage links. Now they're like, you know, they're like little dogs. little Vienna sausage. Yeah, they're like little Vienna sausage. Well, well Matt Booth better get uh, better get down here with his uh, with his page boy haircut and starting on now before they disappear. Is, is it me or is Matt Booth starting to look like a little Amish? You said that the other day. <laughs> He's like <laughs> his hair got this Amish look now. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for him to come with like a. With a horse and carriage around the corner to like the next time he's <laughs> Paul, can you his take, hair and his can you take your mic down from like four thousand to make is that me or Paul? No, that's Paul. Paul's on like four thousand. Yeah, Paul is on four thousand. Take it down a little. I am. Oh, yeah. How's that? Is that better? Yes. All right, there we go. That sounds normal. So I guess we're going to be going to Disney in the next four months: February, March, April, May. Yeah. Oh, let me know when. No. <laughs> no, no. It, are we using your dad's points? Right. Uh, we, uh, you know what? I don't know if we use them. I don't know if we finished them. We did like a grand villa this time. It's like a, it's like a Ooh. two floor suite with a dining room and a living room and like, what is it? Four bedrooms. It was awesome. Ooh, it, it fancy, fancy. Yeah. Paul, I don't know if we use them for the year now. Paul texted me last night. He said, don't ever call me bougie again. Which, by the way, we never call you bougie. Alex calls you an aristocrat. Big difference. Essentially. All right. But you're sitting, there, you're sitting there at your house drinking drinking Dom and, and eating uh, beluga caviar. At what, uh, you know, What's wrong with that? Nothing. But you're sending me pictures to you know show me how bougie you are. And you, you guys call me an aristocrat. I, aristocrat. Did you hear by that? The way, He's an aristocrat. Did you hear that? He's a cat. So I love... See, I knew I was going to make that mistake too. The Broadway yeah, aristocrat. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I figure Brandy's not going to listen. My wife hasn't had a Valentine's Day in fifteen years, like literally, like not a celebration. If she gets some flowers delivered, that's about it. We don't plan nothing, do nothing. So we just did Valentine's Day early. So it was nice. We had a nice night. Will you do March fourteenth holiday early? March fourteenth. Is that no. supposed to be? Is that supposed to be our anniversary? What is, what is, I'm losing it. What's March fourteenth? International Steak and BJ Day. <laughs> I've, 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 I've heard. Look, look it up. True. <laughs> well, that's listen. That's like after the Great Smoke. Shouldn't be a problem to celebrate. Right, right, right. That's, be the, that's men's the man's answer to Valentine's Day, right? Speaking yes. of the great, speaking of the Great Smoke, right? A lot of the LEs are starting to trickle in. Um. We posted up on social media. Though I, I really can't figure out Facebook's algorithm, man. We put something up for the Opus that Carlito's making for the Great Smoke, and yep. it, it reached like 10,000 people. I posted this publicly the other day. It's like got only 200 views, but this is pretty cool. Ooh. 
Now, I, I just want people to know who haven't heard or saw the show the other night. These, this is handwritten. This is not like a print. Steve oh, Saka. I was going to ask that. Steve Saka actually hand wrote on all 200 bundles. He made 200 bundles of these things. Um, and he wrote on 200 bundles? He wrote on every bundle, man. That's his writing. I mean, he the Hoya stamp. Deal with- the Hoya stamp. <laughs> you know what? It's funny because Alex and I were talking about it. This packaging kind of fits a Steve Saka motif, you know? But it's. Uh, I don't want to deal with the packaging. I, right? you know. Well, listen, in, in, all, in, in defense to all these guys, right? We made, we made the decision, you know, late summer. And by the time we reached these manufacturers, on top of everything that was going else with factories shutting down, we didn't give people a lot of time, you know? So, right, it's, right. kudos, but this is the cigar. Okay, from what I understand, and Steve, correct me. This, this, I don't think I can get the wrapper to focus right, but this wrapper looks amazing. The goat and I smoked it the other night. Um, but this is like projects that he's been working on. This is the 38 rendition of this blend. Like, how many times can you rework a blend? How hard can you strive to make something like the way you want it? 38. That, that's from what I understand when he was telling me. So that's that's so him. That's so right. him, though. Right. Absolutely. So him. That's why the ashtrays he's working on is going to take forever. But those will be available during the Great Smoke when Steve Saka comes on during his segment. It'll go live. The cigar is not the ashtrays, right? Not the ashtrays, yes. The cigars. He's only on the sixth rendition of the ashtrays. Right, literally. a few more to go. Right, um, go. (laughs) You have to have a Great Smoke ticket to be able to purchase any of the limited edition products that are being made for the Great Smoke. So if you don't have one, grab one. But uh, if you have a great smoke ticket, uh, probably next week, end of next week, we'll have a timeline, um, an estimated timeline of all the features. Yeah, I've been working with the production company like all week this week. Um, he when was trying. Do the packages ship. Packages ship. They'll start shipping February eighth. Okay, so plenty of time. Yeah, I mean that's, that's our intention is make sure they all get there. It'll be coming U- UPS, not USPS. It'll be coming from Miami because we're actually we're actually taking a crew down there. You know, this is pallets and pallets of stuff. The the the, the cigar vaults, the thirty count cigar vaults alone, was ten pallets, right? And then we had a we ordered boxes because we had to get special sized boxes to put all this TGS stuff in, and right unwittingly someone ordered the boxes but delivered it here. So this like twenty two foot FedEx <laughs> truck shows up with eight pallets and like. What are we going to do with this? And they were nice enough they rerouted it to Miami. So we're going down Wednesday to do a dry run with about a team of 12 people to see how many how many packages we can actually get out in a day, right? Because we've never done this before. The logistics has been a nightmare. And then if we're safe, if we're safe, then we'll stick with our continual plan of going the week of February 8th through 12th to get them all out. If we don't make as many boxes as we think we can in a day, then we'll probably go back Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you know, to get them all out in time. How, the problem is, uh, the like, problem is, is it's is not our, in the box. It's not our facility, so we can't work around the clock. I can't do right. a night crew. I can't, you know, do double shifts. So we're limited to access. In fact, just to get there Saturday, we had to agree to pay their warehouse manager for the day just to come and unlock the door and hang out with us if we got to work on Saturday. There, yeah. yeah, it's not our building. Is what's in the box solidified now, or is it still changing up until the end? No, it's like, pretty you, much. It's you were throwing much, extra things in there, right? It's, pre- it's pretty much done. The only thing in that we okay. talked we we talked about it um, we talked about it uh, I think on the smoking tobacco shows these shot glasses may be an issue but uh, we'll know hopefully by Monday or Tuesday they've been in production they were supposed to be here two weeks ago oh God yeah 
So <laughs> I, I don't know if they're lying, if they broke. So we're, we're going to try to figure out. But that, that's about the only thing. But everything else that was uh, supposed to go in is going in. It's all there. We're ready to go. And uh, honestly, ready to get started on getting this event underway, man. It'd be, uh, it's, I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of nervous. I feel like I want to vomit sometimes. But, um, you Are know. Are allowed to talk about what I'm doing? It's amazing when you, yeah, when you, when you tell somebody, like, if I don't get them by Tuesday, keep them. How things suddenly start rolling into place. No, no, seriously. This, this, <laughs> no, seriously. Sure. This, was supposed, to be, this was supposed to be here two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, and I assumed they came. And then I found out this past Wednesday they weren't here. And then when I asked about it, I was told I was told, well, they said they'd be here Wednesday. Then Thursday it wasn't here. And then she says, We'll be here tomorrow. Then Friday, she gets an email that says, Well, it won't be till next Friday. I called them up. I said, okay, keep, them. keep them. Keep okay, them. Keep them. I don't want them. I said, you're already two weeks behind. This is going into boxes and logistics going into all over the country. I don't want them. So then it became, okay, maybe we can get them there Monday. And then it became oh, Tuesday. But amazing. who knows? Who knows? Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I was freaked out about the production side of it more in the beginning, right? I didn't know. You know, we were not. We never made a TV. It was basically making a TV show. We're doing a broadcast TV show. And yeah, eight hours to boot with no commercials. And I mean, it's like, it's insane. So it freaked me out. And we're dealing with a production company we've never dealt with and whatnot. And as we got closer, I was talking with Alex. I'm like, you know what? The logistics of getting these boxes all out is starting to freak me out a little bit more. Because I've been actually dealing with a production company on and off. He tried to send me something like three times last night and it didn't come through. But I think we got the final schedule. But um, now I'm getting a little bit more freaked out and getting all these boxes out in time. You right. know, I, the case in point was, like you said, when, you know, eight pallets showed up in boxes and we were like, oh, we didn't think this one through either. Yeah, I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, just, oh, you know, oh, 1,500 boxes. I mean, I don't know. What's their flat? Who knows where they're going to cut? Yeah, so. Listen to me. I can't remember who I talked to. I thought it was you, but you said no. Oh. But I said, should we just have those boxes shipped to Miami? Like, no, it's only because we get Cigar of the Month Club boxes and those are small. So when you say right. 1,500, it's not that, you know, all right. So, so like, no, right. Yeah. we'll just throw them in your car. And we'll take them down. Okay, thing shows up on eight pallets. Yeah, it's, wasn't it's, I was under the mindset of ship everything we can to Miami, reroute stuff to Miami if we yeah. can make it easier on all of us. But this will be very interesting and exciting. So very very cool. Uh, we got a special guest today. This is this is a uh, where are they now segment. Is that what it is? It is, but I mean, I guess we could still call it a meet your maker. Where are they now? Right. I mean, what else is it? It's not a where are they now. Well, I don't have an intro for where are they now, so I figured I'd do the Meet Your Maker intro. You could do the Meet Your Maker. Go ahead. All right, let's do it. Here we go. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. So today we bring uh, an old friend to the show, an even older friend to Abe, uh, a guy who really needs no introduction as long as there's bacon on the table, Mr. Fred Rui, formerly of Nomad Cigars. Fred, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. You definitely need a where are you, where are they now thing. I haven't made a freaking cigar for, you know, two years, but hey, that's all right. Solid research. So, I mean, you're spending a lot of time at Disney. I get it. I get it. I go to Disney every week for nine minutes, then I leave. <laughs> um, I just I go through the carousel, you know, get my ticket, then I walk right back out. 
No, I, I don't go to Disney. <laughs> I so let's see. Disney opened to what? 1971. So I haven't been there since 73. I don't know. I haven't been there forever. And I'm you like live, literally. Don't 20 you minutes live away. like 20 minutes? Well, yeah. I do. Well, I golf there. I go to the golf courses. So I'm there like, you know, I golf there twice this week. I golfed at uh, Palm on uh, yesterday and I golfed at Magnolia on Wednesday. But I don't, but as far as the park, oh, God, no. No. I mean, <laughs> nothing against people to go, man. It, huh? You're not you're on, on property, though, though, so that counts. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but I don't see anything. I mean, I don't, I don't smell anything from Animal Kingdom. I don't see any parks. I don't hear any roller coaster stuff. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't like crowds like that. Um, so I, it's, it's just not my thing, you know, Now's I mean, the time to go then they're not there. Yeah. I'd like to see the star Wars thing. I'd kind of like to see that, but, um, but then I'd have to go to the park. So until I find a way around that, I, you know, you know, my oldest daughter was in the a- advertisement for that star Wars theme park. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. She got hired, but I, we've never seen it. I don't know where it went. I mean, it's, it's funny. They, we had to, they, they put us up for the night. We had to be in the park, like at, we had to be in the park like at four in the morning or three forty-five, and it was really spooky when you walk through the park and it's pitch black outside and you see all these empty chains oh and there's not. Yeah, I felt like I was in a horror I would movie. Love that. I felt like I, I was in a that. horror movie. We're walking through the whole park. It's pitch black. And all you see is these rows of chains and there's not a soul anywhere around. And they did some photo shoot and she had some siblings, you know, actor siblings, and she got paid. That was her first payday. Disney. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. It might yeah. be in some of the print advertisements if they it, took pictures. It, no, it was definitely print. It wasn't video. It was a photo oh, shoot. Probably, I'll find it. I'll find it. I'll Google it. Yeah, it was definitely. But you don't understand. Sometimes that print ad could be in Europe. Right. Who knows? Yeah, right. yeah. That, oh, that, yeah. That's the yeah. problem. So, you know, you never see some of this final work, which is kind of sucks, you know. But And now the challenge is out there. Yeah. So well, uh, the other well, thing is in your her agent should – so what you can tell her agent is to to get a copy of the of we the did. ad. We did, Paul. Well, it should have been part of the negotiation from the beginning, man. Oh, okay. We'll let you deal with be your agent then. Maybe you'd be better at that than being, a, than being a producer. That's fine. I take forty percent, though. I don't know if that's a problem. I'm assuming Paul can call Mickey direct at this point and get this shit taken care of. I mean, I'm <laughs> right. just like you're, right. you're there all the time. You're all the time. Just just you know, show your little pass or something. You know. I, I do know some people that work at Disney. Pretty sure. Someday I will work there. All right. Enough, enough about you, Paul. Fred. Yes, please. Yes. Other than here. eating, other than eating bacon, legitimately, what have you been up to? So I mean, still, you know, still the marketing company. We've had the marketing company for fifteen years now. So, um, so still doing that. I, I enjoy it. Uh, it's been so. It's been almost two years, I think, since I sold Nomad. So it's been nice to just go back and. Uh, not have an agenda with your own company. Uh, the whole last year sucked from a COVID because I like going to a lot of events. Uh, even, you know, I mean, like, like I said, uh, you know, in the beginning is, you know, I came in as a cigar smoker and got to have this whole Make-A-Wish Foundation seven, eight year uh, run and then sold the company. And now I'm kind of back, um, you know, smoking cigars again and um, kind of behind it. I've, wor- I've worked myself into a very weird position of, giving advice to other companies or manufacturers or the, more specifically their marketing teams and not getting paid for it very much. Uh, it's a sought after position. to <laughs> I mean, a lot, a lot of people don't really realize that that's what you want. So I'm going to make it up in volume. 
Uh, no, I mean, I, 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 I have got paid. I have got cigars and stuff like that. But it's just kind of like I said in the beginning, it's like I would love to just work on marketing on some form of the cigar industry. But it's always been a very short list of people that I love both their cigars and their organizations. So um, it's been a lot of polite no's, but not really found anything that was really the perfect fit for me on that. So, uh, but yeah, it's so weird because like, you know, some of them, which I don't like the companies, but I like the guys, they'll call and kind of go, Hey man, we're kind of working on this. And you know, what do you, what do you think are some angles here we can do? So it's fun for me. Cause I get to, I'm, I'm still kind of in it and I, I just do it, you know, in my spare time uh, and go, well, you know, have you tried this or thought of this idea? So that, that's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, and, and, but not, you know, unfortunately most of it is like, you know, Hey man, okay, we really appreciate the idea. We're going to run with it, but you know, just, I needed to look like my marketing team came up with it or, or, or our guys came up with it. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Okay. Thanks man. No problem. But then, you know, then a box of cigars arrives in the mail or something like that. And so it's, it's all good. Will. it's all fun. You know? So your marketing company, you're for hire independently. You get hired by yeah. companies to help them market. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we have a couple Products, of services or um, whatever. predominantly. So, so it's really divided up into three areas. One of it runs kind of, um, training like we have trainings and stuff online where people want to put trainings uh one that came up two years ago which actually ended up being good timing is kind of on like online conventions uh that are pre-recorded and then we drop them like a convention the only thing we do is we don't do the speakers live because it's a nightmare we roll it out like like if you go to a convention for three days and the, the 10 o'clock speaker all of a sudden his session goes live and then the 11 o'clock speaker all of a sudden his session goes live but we pre-recorded because to ask every speaker to remember what time zone make sure their internet's good. It's just like, forget it. So we roll it out that way. Um, the, the other part of the company builds websites for small businesses. I don't really have a lot to do with that, but they, they kind of create affordable websites. But my side really is more um, branding. I'm real big on like email marketing and you know, people say, oh, email marketing doesn't work. It's like, yeah, if you send them something they're not interested in, but email marketing is great if you, if you give them something that they're looking forward to your emails. And we all have, we all have that company that we're like, I haven't bought anything from them for a while, or maybe I buy on a regular basis, but I love getting their emails. They're entertaining, they're fun, they break up my day, whatever it may be. So I focus on what the communication is. And then if it's something, a straight off project for hire, um, I'm usually just the guy in the room that's that's a bunch of, with a bunch of suits that are saying, hey, here's the product we're rolling out. And you know what do you see? And, and I, I gotta tell you that 80% of my job at that point is getting them to stop overcomplicating their message. Mm. It's like they, they, they try and do so much and they're so close to it. And I'm like, and the example I always use is like, dude, it's like there's a reason Jaguar doesn't have the engineer on a commercial, you know, figuring how he got three more millimeters out of a valve somewhere. It's like, show me the, show me the, show me the middle-aged dude going down the highway with the top down and a hot chick next to him and you're going to sell Jaguars. I mean, so just cut, cut out the bullshit and just get to the message. And then, and then some of it is just really, you know, changing their communication as far as, you know, onboarding. So like, you know, something as simple as somebody setting up an, a newsletter, an e-letter, if you will, you know, they, if, you, if somebody subscribes, you know, you don't just dump them into your, 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 Hey, here's our normal email list. You, you, you've got it. You've got a courting period. You've got the next three or four emails you send to them. You're building up that relationship and stuff like that. So it's all about relationship building. It's it, yeah. So it's all about turning, you know, uh, prospects and, and, and the clients and clients into raving fans, but doing that in a genuine way, no bullshit, no salesy type stuff. Be very genuine about it. And I love doing that. It's fun. It's funny. I'm pretty sure Paul got a chubby when he, talked about how email marketing is still very effective (laughs) it's how i I make my living i I gotta tell you i gotta tell you fred i haven't used email in three years 
Yeah, I love it. I it's, hate it's, it. It's free. I hate it's email. Free. I mean, it's, it's free. free. Every time I, it, it's a clutter in my day. I'm so glad I don't have to go through my inbox. You know, just to get the link for this show that Paul emailed me. So I have to keep an email for stuff like that or when I lose my passwords yeah. or stuff like that. But I don't give anybody my email. I give it all to the company email that gets sorted. Anything I got to read it through my desk. But just to download it was like 800 messages. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then as far as any kind of real-time, like, urgent communication, email for me might as well be like the Pony Express. So yeah. as slow yeah. and unreliable as it gets. So I haven't used it. But, no, Paul swears by it. Obviously, you swear by it. So that people still, I guess, reading and checking emails. I mean, well, there, there's a difference. I don't like getting emails. Like, yeah. so I have so many, I have so many at the server level and at my computer level, I've got so many checks and balances and rules of how, where it shuffles that and, you know, where, it, what it does with my time that way. But from an email marketing standpoint, as far as communicating directly to your consumer or directly to your clients, there's almost not anything more powerful and more instant results. I bet Paul could address to that. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it works. So. I, for me, it's not necessarily the best form of communication, but I allow a select few newsletters in my, in my email inboxes. And that's those, that's what we capitalize the people, the, those, those newsletters that people do like allow into their inbox. That's, that's where we do advertisements and it works. Now, Fred, for a period there, you kind of like Jack Kerouac did, didn't you? Yeah. So, yeah. So earlier this year, we, uh, or I guess last year now, holy crap. Yeah. This is, this is this is like the fifth month of 2021. This 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 year is like dragging on. Uh, so yeah, last year, last July, I think it was 12th, we had an off-road trailer and the Jeep Gladiator, and we said, screw it, we're just gonna go around the country because normally we go out of the country and we're like, well, that ain't happening right now. Uh, and at the time, I'm like, well, I'm not real hot on just checking into random hotels every three days. So we, we hooked up the trailer. We went across country. We did about 8,000 miles in total. Um, we ended up in the Pacific Northwest. We rented a lake place for about a month and a half. But we went, you know, Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, Montana, wow. uh, Idaho, Lake Coeur d'Alene for two months, then down into Utah, Moab, uh, Durango, Texas, and back. So it was about three months, 8,000 miles. Um, it was awesome. I, I mean, you know, I mean, as long as I can hook up the internet once in a while, well, we couldn't like in Moab, you're like BLM land, uh, Bureau of land management. You're in the middle of nowhere. Like my daughter knows where to go out there. So she's giving us, you know, GPS coordinates of where to take it. Cause it's an off-road trailer. So it could go anywhere. Um, and it was hey, fun. We, hey, we had you, a good guys, time with it. you guys were just pulling off anywhere and that's where you would camp out sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Largely. I mean, there were, it, depending on where you were, like sometimes you got a campground. Um, but the campgrounds are, I mean, I'll tell you what, I mean, what I want to buy a campground right now because, you know, they'll have, they'll hold, you know, there's all obviously all different sizes, but just say it's like, you know, it's a small mom and pop 50 slots or whatever. And they are just making, I mean, it's like you're, you're paying 50 bucks a night to be in a parking lot where you yeah. can, where you can hook up a, you know, electric or something and, and a sewer if you have that. Yeah. So that was the off-road one that we had. That was a Moby one. Um, that was, that was a blast. I mean, it was so much and fun. You, and you both could sleep in that little thing. Yeah. It's a, it was a queen bed inside there. So, Dude, so the, I, yeah, I, inside I, there's all, all a queen bed. 
it looks like I need the jaws of life to get me out of that thing. <laughs> well, uh, yes. And honestly, um, there's doors on both sides. So luckily, you know, nobody has to climb all over each other. But I actually sold that in the Pacific Northwest and got one slightly bigger that, that I could <laughs> stand up in. Because I'm like, this is cool. But that was glorified. What do they call it? Glamping? When you're basically still glamping, camping, yeah. but you have all the amenities. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was nice. Actually, Jim Robinson, Leaf and Bean, that's what I he's traveling around in right now. So, yeah, Jim and I, Jim came down and he was in St. Augustine and then we were over there and I was telling him about it. And then he went out and bought one. He got the new company's version of it. Um, the employees left and started their own. And he's but he's more hardcore than I am. That dude's like, you know, he's got his, you know, five gallon, you know, toilet, you know, uh, bucket middle of nowhere, you know, stuff like that. He's even more hardcore than I am, but he loves it. And it's a lot of fun. Well, that, that had he, to be one hell of experience. Parks- he parks in like the middle of nowhere. Like he does, he does little yeah. uh, videos and stuff from there. And and literally, he's like, we to get to civilization, we have to go, you know, eighty miles. <laughs> like, Jesus. yeah, we were sending GPS coordinates back and forth. Like he was, we were both kind of out in the west about the same time, but we were looping around different places. So we were sending each other GPS coordinates of here's where you go. Because when you have that, and he has a gladiator also. And it's like, like that thing will go anywhere. Anywhere you can take the Jeep, it will follow no problem. Do you have That's to have awesome. like a satellite phone when you're going out in the middle of nowhere like that? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you if you care that you want to talk to anybody. Um, How about normally if you out, has a heart attack or you, you know, something? I mean, dude, you then, then you're in the middle of a desert. You're, you're just dead. Yeah. The body yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean. You're okay. dead. I didn't think of that. I mean, what no. What if the what if the car breaks down and doesn't start? Well, I think my daughter had, like, when she was down when we were in Moab and stuff, I think she's got some sort of emergency, like, beacon. That, like, <laughs> said, I mean, that can send signals or something. I, did, I don't, I, you know, I didn't really think that through. Um, you don't think of the downside. You keep on camping, you know, I don't know. I mean, now I'm thinking, okay, I didn't even have a snake bite kit. What if I get bit by a snake or something like that? Or, you know, some scorpion that they had. I, you know, I, you know okay, so clearly I was unprepared. <laughs> yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly. My thing is, am I going to run out of coffee kind of... or something? Right. <laughs> hey, dude, would you get the same kind of of anxiety that you get when you go out on a boat and you can't see land? Would you no. get the same kind of anxiety being out in the desert in the like no. you're eighty miles away from something? No, 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 no. no. Because you, you walk, you find something, and you can walk. I mean. But when you're out in the ocean and you can't see land, how do you even know you're swimming in the... I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. You're going to die. You're not going to reach land anywhere. But somewhere in your psyche, you'd like to you know at shot. least I'm, yeah, I'm swimming in the right direction, right. not swing out more toward the middle of the ocean. Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned that because so the, the year, not last year, the year before, Tracy and I went transatlantic. We went we went Tampa around Florida, then all the way over to Europe. And at one, you know, I'm thinking, I don't know, if, I don't think this bothers me. I, you know, I've been on boats and stuff before, but it's a little weird when you're like days of no land. And then like at one point right. the captain comes on there and he says, so, you know, those of you wondering about the closest land, uh, it's, you know, it's six miles away and it's also straight down. That was the closest land. And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> now I'm like, you know, okay, great. You know, but uh, generally, you know, whatever. I, 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 if I'm on a cruise boat, I, I demand that we have a balcony. That's my only rule if we go on a cruise. Because I saw Titan- Titanic, and like, if you don't have one of those rooms, you're like the guy in the bar that's waiting for your lifeboat to be ready. And I'm like, oh hell no, I am not going to be that guy because he does not get a lifeboat. <laughs> if I have a balcony, at least I got a shot of jumping off the boat if things go bad. Fair. That's funny. 
So the book. Oh, there you go. Yes. Right? Yeah. Didn't, didn't think I still had it, did you? Uh, no, actually. Um, it is in my library of uh, books I've actually. If you read. don't, if you don't re re return it, I've got to print another one in case somebody else orders it. So it's kind of <laughs> interesting. Now, so yeah. Is yeah. There, is there how, how did the book do? Were you happy with the results? Yeah, it was just it was just for me. I mean, it sold a bunch of copies and stuff and it was fun, but I mean, you know, basically nobody, you know, it was a different genre than, you know, say the marketing book I did or something like that. So it was just it was just me taking my Facebook posts and and doing an entire uh Thor Thor at Cigar Press took that picture by the way to give a full photo credit. Yep. Um so we uh it was I like it was how he sends me the book that says not for resale, too. Well, yeah, you got the early copy. It's a special yeah. one. It's got to be an early copy. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I didn't know. I didn't know I sent you that one. Yeah. So that it was yeah. the proof copy. It was the proof copies that they sent me. So, um, uh, yeah, it was what fine. It was just that pig. Pig is you know, breakfast. So, so I, I, you know, oddly enough, I inquired of the purpose of that pig, and that pig is a pet that was not to be um, consumed. So uh, that oh. immediately shut down any negotiations I had going forward. <laughs> and, um, so, <laughs> and by the way, the pig's name was Wilbur. And I'm, no. like, no, I, I, I'm like, really, Wilbur? I mean, it's it's like it's like when you meet a guy that's got like you know a white cat, and I was like, oh, his name's Snowball. I'm like, well, that's that's an original. Wow, way to come up with you know, it's like, you know. So, is there any plans for a second book? Not of that. I don't think I can. I don't think I have enough material in my head to to do that. Um, the first half of that book was super easy because I was just like, oh, yeah, write about, you know, the McRib sandwich or write about whatever. And then I got about three quarters through that book and I'm like, I'm running out, out of ideas. So then the second, you know, the second half or the last quarter of that book took a lot longer. Like the first half I, I wrote literally in like two months. The whole second half probably took about six months of, you know, finally. Go, oh, yeah, that would probably make a good chapter. And then a bunch of chapters didn't make it. But, um, you know, it, it was fun. I had a good time. It was something for me. It was left over in my mind from the stand-up comedy days that I think I just needed an outlet and I needed a project. So um, I enjoyed it. It was fun. And I got a lot of people that said, you know, man, this is awesome. I don't know how I feel about saying, you know, like the reviews and people are saying it's like the perfect uh, book for the bathroom because they're all short chapters. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I just don't know. I mean, I want, you know, all oh, this is hysterical. It's really funny. I really like the chapters on this. and It's a perfect read for the bathroom. And I'm like, kind of lost me on that last sentence i'm like i don't know that that was my objective but okay as long as you're happy was it like a bucket list thing for you bucket item you know bucket list item. um i don't that, that's not your first book was no it? it's not but yeah, it, was you the only, before it, was, that. it was the only book there were two other books before that but that's the only book that was just for me just straight up comedy you know um, the be the line book one was the, the marketing one that was, that was more for business and for fun. And I enjoyed talking about marketing. Um, and I started to do a bot podcast, but then I bailed on it. Cause I'm like, man, these are a lot of work. Um, so, uh, but that one was the one that was just like, for me, I wanted to just take those, all those goofy Facebook posts or subjects that I'm like, oh, you could write a whole lot or Twitter. You could only write so many words. I'm like, I think I could just kind of, you know, riff on this thing for a little while and have fun with it. You know, earlier in the show, Fred was talking about you know how you know he's been consulting or giving out free advice to companies and whatnot, and I and I, and I I'm sure I, I mentioned it somewhere on Facebook, but you know I, I can now publicly give you props too. You know, Fred is the reason why we have the new alibi feature on our checkout. Oh, yeah. He yeah, he literally sent me this message. I guess he went somewhere and he saw this. He sends me a screenshot of ordering with an alibi, 
And I'm like, I love this. I'm like, whose is this? And I, I was worried there was some other like cigar company that was doing it. And Fred's like, I wasn't sure. I found it posted somewhere. I'm like, and I think we got it up the next day. Yeah. Yeah, that amazed me. I didn't know that. Yeah. I found so I found somebody online. They didn't have like a whole list of choices. It was like it was just literally just a do you need an alibi? So um I went out and I'm like, that's pretty funny. So I went out and actually uh it was Frank Duncan that posted it because he says, I need this for the gun industry. Because I guess he maybe buys guns. I don't know. So I'm like, this would be perfect for the cigar industry. So I'm like, so I go out and I look at I'm looking around trying to track it down. I sent it to Abe and I'm like, you've got to do this. I said, and he's like, well, somebody doing the cigar industry. So well, let me check. So I searched everywhere trying to find it. And, and, and where I found was the origin was, it was a British company that posted it as a joke. And I don't even know that they actually executed anything. Wow. So then I sent back Abe. I said, okay, here's what I found. Here's the way I would do it. And I said, let them choose their alibi. So I, I wrote down four alibis. And, uh, and then literally Abe sends me a screenshot of the checkout like 48 <laughs> hours later. I mean, it's, I'm like, Holy cow. I love this guy. I mean, you know, he comes you know, if he hasn't, well, not because he used the idea, but I'm like anybody that has an idea that can execute an idea that fast, particularly in a shopping cart. And then probably a week later, I start seeing guys that you actually printed out the pages. So there's a whole page that they get in there. So, um, so the next thing I was going to tell you we need to do on that is we need to rotate those. So like every month we've got different questions. We have them, you know, Starting out like, with like, Santa, so like, we yeah. took secret Santa out. So yeah, they're going to get changed. Like happy every... St. Patrick's day. Yeah. Or they're going to get <laughs> yeah, changed. Yeah. The alibis continue to change. Yeah. I think some it's people, funny. I think some people up, ordering they... them just, just to get it. They don't even need the alibi. Absolutely. It blew up on Facebook. I'm seeing all these things and, and this is what I see, by the way, and, and thank you for, for the shout out on that. This is what I see on other companies that I give an idea and I'm like watching, I'm like, that's genius. I can't believe no one's ever thought of this before. Whose idea was this? Who who helped come up with this? And I'm like, you know, sitting back, oh, I don't know. Yeah, Abe's a genius. You know? You know, it's not, it's not necessarily coming up with the idea. It's putting your twist on the idea and executing the idea. There's right. a million, you know, I mean, Abe knows running that, and I have the same with my company. I've got more ideas than I know what to do with, but if you don't execute them, it doesn't do any good. I was impressed how fast that thing was out there. I can't tell you how many times I sit in this office with some new company, up-and-coming company, or sometimes even just a, a, a big company, and we come up with something, I give a great idea. I'm like, this is like a grand slam, and they don't execute it. It happens all the time. I don't know why. Yeah. And they'll be excited. They'll be in here going, oh, yeah, that's great. But nothing ever happens. But my my well, favorite. I'm sure Fred's been in the same boat. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've, oh. I've consulted for companies, made made tons of money from them. We came up with this really cre- great creative idea. I, I was happy because the company made a lot of money, and they were happy because they have this great idea. Never does it happen. Uh, that happens all the time because nobody wants to sit and actually do the work. I guess. Yeah. You know, I don't know. People get sidetracked. They can't stay on on focus on what they want to accomplish. They put it in their to do list and they never get around to it. I think it's common, uh-huh. but um, that thing is taking a mind of its own. My favorite was we actually got an invoice the other day. Um, we got an invoice, and in the customer notes it says, "Thank you for your excellent service." This note is from the smoker's wife, and I love your sense oh. of humor. He doesn't need an alibi yet. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. By the way, by the way, that was my fourth one that you didn't put on there. Was is that thanks for the idea? But what, what was the fourth? The fourth one is literally something like I don't need an alibi. I can call my own shots or something like that, or you know whatever it was. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I thought oh, it was maybe cool. I should give him a little piece of paper and stuff like that. But uh, no, I mean, there's lots of great ideas that people have and stuff. So, you know, there are two things that help me get better for myself. And when I look at our companies and what we're doing, and there's two books that I would, I would say that are worth reading if somebody wants that. One is called The One Thing, um, which basically is a book that's just, you know, I was one of those people that I was busy, but I wasn't productive. So, you know, you get to the end of the day and you did a lot of work, but you didn't actually do anything productive. You got a lot of stuff off your desk. So, so I literally hold on to this two hour block every day that I am only allowed to work on. What is my one thing that day? What is it by doing that one thing will make other things irrelevant or unnecessary? And I, and, and, and you can't mess with that two hour block. You can't, there's not emails. If even, even if Tracy, who also, you know, she runs the other side of the marketing company, she says, Hey, can you, you know, check on this? I'm like, you know, that's not my one thing right now. And we have permission to do that with each other. And I do that. And then the other thing that really, that, that was, that was very hard for me as somebody with, with, you know, multiple companies was the, I was crappy at outsourcing. I was crappy at, at, at just handing things off. And you have to realize, is it like good? Trusting other no one, people? Well, and, and, and no one ever does as good as you. It doesn't even matter if they're good. They just, they just don't because right. nobody can be you. So, so there's this other book called um, Who Not How, Dan Kennedy, that basically says, you know, the questions you should be asking is, you know, when you have something is who can do that for you, not how it needs to be done, because you can't do everything yourself. And when I've implemented both of those, it has made me way more productive and way more higher level things that make a big difference by practicing just those two things. Keeping my time is my time. It's the, it's, it's the one thing, what's the one thing I'll absolutely need to get done today that makes everything either irrelevant or unnecessary and moves the needle. And two is the who, not how. And I'm, so I'm starting, you know, we hired more people just internally, uh, more assistant stuff, more outsourcing stuff and go, look, you know, go do this. This is going to be good enough. I can do Photoshop. I can do these other things. I, you know what, but it's better to have somebody else do it because it's not worth my time. My time needs to be spent on X. So Abe, he mentioned Dan Kennedy, Dan Kennedy in my industry, he's the father of modern day direct response, digital marketing, really like he's, he's considered the, the guy that basically brought my industry, the email side to light. What was the first book, Fred? Was it getting things done? D different Dan Kennedy, but yes, <laughs> but, that, okay. but that, but that Dan it's Kennedy. Dan Kennedy. <laughs> no, Paul's, no, is it really? Paul's yeah, got a centerfold fold of yeah. a Dan Kennedy above it his is. bed. No, no, he's, he's right though. I mean, if you're talking about, if you're talking about marketing, that Dan Kennedy um, was, was very, you know, uh, cutting edge as far as the communications and things like that. And, he was probably one of the ones that created the whole open loop scenario or at least perfected it where, you know, if you have a communication, you, you have some sort of open loop where you get to the end of the marketing and, and you haven't, you haven't finished the story. It's like saying, Hey, you know what, you know, we did this and we took the camper out and we were on the end of this cliff and we're running out of water and Hey, you know what, tomorrow I'll tell you the rest of the story. And like you can't not read the email tomorrow because it's like your brain can't handle something that's not finished we need completion right. as humans well i agree what was the first book fred that you got the 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 two hour thing from the one thing the said. one thing the one thing yeah oh, the one thing okay the one thing yeah and a, i actually just a great i just interviewed their i interviewed done. their president yeah oh wow. it's a good they've sold they sold over two million copies and so that's actually pretty rare air for, you know, you, everybody, everybody has a bestseller. I don't care what it is. Bottom line is my bacon book made it a bestseller for like all of like, you know, 15 hours, you know, but, but when you're talking about rare air of really selling a million 
over a million copies. That's like a handful of books that have really done that, particularly in the business world. And the one thing I think right. is pushing 2.5 million now or something. Wow. Yeah, especially for those types of books, they're not they're not books that go up there to two million copies ever. No, because so. not that many people really want to work on themselves that much. I get it, you know. <laughs> I'd rather just go to Disney for fifteen minutes. Not really. <laughs> nah. In fairness, the the book that I that I always mention is one of my favorite books. If if Disney ran your hospital, nine and a half things you would do differently. I've mentioned that a couple. Oh, I've mentioned that so. a few times. They have yeah. a great model, man. They have a great model, and they've they know what they're doing. The I mean, as well, they know what they're doing. I mean, you know, well, and that's you know that that's the thing on the whole storytelling. I mean, people remember stories. If you can illustrate whatever your message is into a story, people people remember it. Any any future where you're back in the cigar business, Fred? There you go. I, I hope that's so. The question I hope so. I really do. You want to get back in, huh? Absolutely. Well, I don't want. I don't think I want to make cigars again. I think that that you know. I mean that. The, I loved making cigars. I loved blending. Um, it's a very the, masochistic part of this industry. Dude, I mean, when you're comp I, Saka said it best at one point when he was talking about something along the lines of competition, and, 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 and I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically talking about how like a retailer didn't want his cigars in the other shop, you know, down the road type thing. And Saka says, dude, I'm in your shop and I'm literally three inches from my competition. And you're, and, you know, I mean, so it, there's a whole side of that industry that, you know, I mean, I'm sure Saka and everybody else will probably be the first ones to tell you. It's like, there's way more road time than you planned on way more than I thought there would be. Um, it, it, it's tough. So, but there are parts of the industry that I love. I absolutely would love to get back into it probably on a part time, you know, be, be on, on consultant for somebody and fly in for their whatever meetings and brainstormings and stuff like that. That would be ideal for me, whether it's a shop or a brand, I don't know, but it's gotta be the right fit for both of us. But yeah, I would absolutely love it. I love the industry. I love cigars. I love the camaraderie of it. Um, I don't know, you know, not since when I was in England and I was, I was at school there for a while and you'd go into a pub. And what I loved about the pub was it was all a bunch of strangers. You're there drinking a beer, you're solving the world's problems and you go home and there was no, nothing else to it. Cigar bars are the same way here. You go in, we all have this common bond. You got a guy making trillions of dollars uh, that bought GameStop in the last week. And then you got a guy that, that, you know, basically, you know, has no money is unemployed, but everybody's equal at that moment. And sure. You get that one guy that's got to tell you about his yachts and his cars and all the other stuff. But for the most part, everybody's pretty cool in the industry. We go there, we solve the world's problems and then we go home and then it's all screwed up the next morning. And we got to start over. Pretty much how it goes. But I love, I love the industry. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to be more involved with it because it, it's fun. It's fun. And, and no one's willing to admit, you know, I mean, and I've said it from day one is, you know, 80% of this business is marketing. There's so many good cigars. The issue is not whether there are good cigars. I can walk into your humidor and find anywhere I, you know, reach just blindly, I'm going to get a good cigar. Now, maybe it's not my perfect cigar for my wheelhouse, but it's a good cigar. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, we've all seen brands. We talked about this on, on, I think a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned it briefly on that. We've all seen brands that were phenomenal cigars that just don't make it for whatever reason the the color of the band the, the, the whatever it is the story wasn't told right or whatever and then nobody buys those cigars and as a retailer it's a challenge because you just don't know what's the lifespan of a blend how long how long is it going to sell how long is it going to be you know available before they move on to something else making a good cigar is far from enough anymore it's far from enough you yeah. can't make a good no. cigar that doesn't get you anywhere there's so many great cigars out there now. So many great cigars. 
You know, I mean, we could literally stop lending cigars. Yeah, literally. Fred, I'm in these cigar groups. I can't believe how many cigars there are that I just never even heard of. Yeah. Forget that I haven't smoked. Yes. I haven't even heard of it. It's like, where are these brands coming from? It's, yeah. it's nuts. It's nuts. But, yeah. but, well, but you said, you've answer, said that you, since you I started. Quite, you've said that since I started. Well, I, I've said it for many years now. It's a consumer market, right? Because for them, it's been great. When I first got in the industry, you know, there was a handful of good cigars being made, and everybody was trying to slap together whatever they could and get it out there. And it's kind of the other way around. You really got to hunt to find a really crappy cigar. Now, there's a lot of cigars that might not be in your flavor wheelhouse, but a lot of most of the cigars out there are being made are good quality cigars. It's just uh, well, you yeah, you went 15 years ago. You smoked a cigar. You you get a cigar and go, man, this is horrible. Um, you you've got to go out of your way to make mm-hmm. a poor cigar at this point. Now it may not be a good cigar or a great right. cigar, but to make an outright poor cigar. Right. I mean, you know, it's like I said, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, yeah, you found a lot of bad cigars. It's a lot harder now because the market's more fierce. Uh, they've gotten better tobacco, better at consistency all the way through, you know, from seed to store. Um, but it, it happens. But, yeah, there's all these brands that pop up all over the place. Not just that, Fred, but the communication. If you made a bad cigar 20 years ago, it could be it could have been kept under the radar forever. You know, now somebody makes a bad cigar. It's on 8,000 Facebook groups and posted everywhere. I mean, it's like, you know, there's no, there's no secret. There's no secret anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Anyways, uh, we're going to be getting ready at the top of the hour for our uh, short commercial break. We're going to have more with Fred Rui. We're going to talk about Fred Rui and uh, the Connoisseur Night Smoke Night and uh, his involvement in our Connoisseur and Smoking's Connoisseur Club program. And we're going to have the scoop with Coop, find out what's going on with Scoop. And, of course, toward the end of uh, hour number two, we got our newest segment. You guys got a segment today, Alex? We have a segment. Unfortunately, Paul still refuses to put it on the outline, but that's okay. No, no, it's in well, there. Why- it's in there. Look. Afternoon's no, Tales of the Tape with Alex and Coop, 90 seconds. Uh, you uh, it's in it's there. Not, Maybe not the one a, that you have. It, yeah, right. it might be it's on your last-minute outline you did for right. yourself at 7 right. in the morning, but it's not on my outline either. I don't know why she didn't have the that's why I wasn't that was sure on there. Were, that was on there when I told her to print it. Plus, sure it let's not forget the uh, special video of my son claiming his adoration for bacon. Oh, we're going to get we're gonna in get honor of Fred. Oh, yeah, yeah, all yeah. right. We're going we're gonna to do the bacon tribute in hour two right after this short little break. Keep it lit. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. Celebrating 85 years of success, the Monte Cristo 1935 anniversary is a tribute to the outstanding accomplishments Monte Cristo has achieved since the brand's inception. This cigar comes from the creative minds of Rafael Nadal, A.J. Fernandez, and the group at Maestros. It is a full-body Nicaraguan Puro that pays homage to the original tobaccos used in the very first Monte Cristo cigar. Flavor notes you'll detect while smoking are pepper, cedar, and chocolate, all of which pair perfectly with a cappuccino. No matter what four sizes you pick, this classic smoke will send you on a trip down memory lane and all the way back to 1935. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale.
And we're back, KMA Talk Radio. We want to take a moment to talk about one of our newer sponsors here, new to the family at KMA. We got a new sponsor called Bonner Private Wines. If you enjoy wine, then you need to try Extreme Altitude Malbec from Argentina. They make it up in these remote vineyards at 9,000 feet. These things are miles from civilization. And the results, this inky red wine. You stare into this thing, it's like staring into your soul. They're also healthier than other wines with 10 times more longevity boosting Reservatol and 90% less sugar. No dyes, no flavor additives, no excess chemicals. But the best part is the flavor. Blackberry, leather, smoke, little dark cherry goes great with your favorite steak or a fine cigar. Head on over to KMAWines.com and you'll find the Bonner Private Wines Malbec from the third highest vineyard in the world. That's 8,950 feet and a lot more wines as well. No inflated prices. You're getting top quality foreign wine for about half the price from Bonner Private Wines. Plus, listeners from KMA Talk Radio get 50% off shipping today if you go to KMAWines.com. That's KMAWines.com. And we are back in hour two, joined by Fred Rui, our Meet Your Maker, or I guess Where Are They Now segment for the day. Before the break, we were uh, chatting a little bit more about bacon. So, Alex, tell us. We're going to show the video, I, I assume. So well, tell us a little I'll, bit about. Yeah, I want to ask Fred a couple questions before we get into that. Fred, how early can you remember your infatuation with bacon starting? Because it's apparent to anybody who knows you, you're deeply infatuated with bacon. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, as a kid, I mean, I mean, what's not to like about bacon? That's what um, I said. You know, I mean, I just it, it fixes everything. I mean, I, you know, it's like Jim Gaffigan talks about. You know, you put bacon on a salad, and it just becomes a game of find the bacon. And he's absolutely right. <laughs> you know, um, it's just. I, I, I don't I, I love bacon. I mean, I just you know I, I probably don't eat as much bacon as social media has made me out to be. Um, yeah, probably you'd be uh, dead. Yeah, I, I probably would. Well, actually, it's funny because I get my blood work done and my cholesterol is like one thirty, and my wife's like seriously no. with all the red meat you have and everything. But that yeah, that's just clean living. I don't know what to tell you. That's just uh, or or genetics. Maybe it's genetics. Genetics. But, um, yeah, I, I I love bacon, and and, and you know what? I, I it was kind of a joke at first, and then I'm like, you know what? I'll just I'll just embrace it. But I do I do eat a lot of bacon. And I'll make bacon and burn ends and stuff like that, and. Um, you know, it kind of worked out good because, like, these bacon companies would, like, you know, hit me up and go, hey, man, we, we know you like bacon. Can we send you, you know, five pounds of bacon to try out? And if you like it, just shout us, you know, shout uh, out. You know, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, okay. I'm not going to turn it down, you know. Uh, so so there was no, like, moment that you remember where this, like, clicked in, like, I'm a bacon guy. No, I think I think <laughs> it's probably like most people. It's not – I should make up an exciting story, but it's probably, like, the first time you had bacon. You're just like, oh, my God, this is really good, it's you really know. Good. All right, so Alex, go ahead and because this was one of the funniest things I think Alex sent me like late night one night. I think I forwarded it to you because I'm like, oh, this is total in tribute to you. But go ahead and cue up the story about your son here. All right, so my son is infatuated with bacon. If he could eat nothing but bacon, he absolutely would. So this is, um, I don't remember what we were cooking, but he had already had like four or five pieces of bacon, and I was going to make some for myself. And he got all defensive. That's my bacon. You can't have my bacon. What are you touching my bacon for? No, 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 no. Don't eat my bacon. So I literally grabbed two packs of bacon and threw them in the microwave 
the whole packs and said, I'm eating all the bacon. And this is what ensued afterward. I can eat my bacon and peas. No! You're moaning over bacon. He's going to hate you one day. I'm sure. I'm so sure. is that how it is with Mrs. Rui in the house, Fred? Do you? Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. So this morning we went and got bagels and I, I'll do bagels with cream cheese, tomato, bacon, capers. Ooh. And um, so there's there's obviously usually, you know, bacon in the freezer, um, but there were only five slices of bacon thawed. And there was, you know, there, yeah, I felt like that briefly. I'm like, how much of this do I have to share? And I love my wife. Um, but, but I mean, there were, there was a, there was a little dilemma there for a second. I was not on the kitchen floor, uh, crying, but Maybe mentally um, it was you mentally, yeah, mentally, men, mentally, I was thinking, you know, can I, she's in the shower. Can I cook it all, eat it and go, we don't have any bacon. Um, so, I, you know, um, you know, I've been there. I've been, I actually have been in that moment where like, there's not enough bacon, like on a Sunday morning. And I'm like, I wonder if I can cook this and eat this, but it smells the whole house. There's no way you can get away. You're not, you're not, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't get away with it. You're not hiding it. It's weird because you get to the end of the package and so you're cooking bacon and then you're looking at the rest of the package and like there's not enough left over to make it a good, enjoyable bacon experience later. So I I guess I should just cook all the rest of it. It's kind of like the way I am with Ben and Jerry's. Like you're eating those single serving pints and you're like, okay, I'm going to get two servings out of it. But then you're looking at it and go, well, there's only a third left. That's not enough for an yeah. enjoyable experience later. So I'm just going to go ahead and finish the container. <laughs> I, I, do, I do that with bacon. Like even if I'm cooking two slices, I'm like, well, oh, that's not enough left for the next time. Let's just cook the whole thing. Or Italian sausages. Like you got like a pack of eight. Oh, you know, yeah. Why cook two? Just cook them all. Somebody's going to eat them. Well, one, okay, who cooks two slices of bacon? That's just weird. Yeah, that's, I, right. that's weird. Right. That was just an example. Yeah. Okay. Two, two slices is not even my serving size. You know, it's funny. I have, I have, I have to admit, I, I have this goal. Um, every once in a while, we go to Abe's house and um, we have this like mega hamburger night. And um, Abe, I don't know where they get it, but they have this excellent bacon that they make for the burgers. And my goal is always like, okay, how many pieces can I eat prior to the building of burgers? So nobody's like, where the hell did all the bacon go? We hide it in the oven. <laughs> right. Well, we don't hide it. My wife hides it from me because I play the same game. Right. Take a piece. Oh, I mean, yeah. cut an onion. Take a piece. Listen, I don't know how it is in your house, but every time my wife makes anything with bacon, the game is hide the bacon from Abe. <laughs> and because you can smell it. So I come in the kitchen. I'm like, where's the bacon? I'm like the dog yeah. in the commercial. Yeah. Where's the bacon? Bacon. I smell bacon. And there's no bacon. I know you made bacon. I can smell the bacon. It's oh, yeah, dinner. Yeah. I'm putting it with the green beans. 
Hooray! It's not you're gonna miss a slice. It's, it's literally the same argument we have every time bacon's cooked in the house. Then you make it's it true. and leave the house and come back hours later and the bacon's gone, but you still smell it and you're like, oh man, I could go for some bacon right now. All right. There's something magical about bacon. I'm, I'm in the same boat, man. Something magical about my, bacon. My son is obsessed with it too. We we bribe him with bacon a lot to eat his breakfast. So we'll we'll put a slice of bacon literally in front of him. What do you do? Put it in the Cheerios? No, I, I put it in front of him, like where he can't reach it. Really? <laughs> put his Cheerios or, or his eggs in front of him. And we say, listen, if you eat half of those eggs, you can have the bacon. And so he'll eat the crap out of the eggs so that he can get to the bacon. But he also, he's too... And he'll he'll eat the bacon, but then he'll like keep a bunch in his mouth and just like run around the house. So he has I don't know if he's like yeah. I get a daughter that does that. Like she'll like lick a cheese stick like a lollipop. Like what are you doing? It's like they don't want to they, they want to savor the flavor forever without <laughs> he wants to keep eating, it. Yeah, without actually eating the food. Very strange. But then he'll be walking around like, like a half I... hour later. And he still has bacon in his mouth. So I'm like, you got to spit that out, dude. That's there's that's not good. <laughs> it's already I, I fermented. Think, I, I think the withholding bacon from your kid till he finishes something. I kind of feel like I have to call child services. I kind of feel like that. That's just not. That's not. <laughs> not, not. That's some sort of cruel thing, there, man. Well, well, listen. At this point, they can have them. <laughs> they can have them. Wow. Okay. There, it is. It is a medical fact. There is a separate bacon stomach, so that does not interfere with eating anything else. That's fair. So, Fred. Well, but I, I still want him to eat the other stuff. Yeah. It's funny. I got the exact opposite problem in my house. My kids are locusts. It's survival of the fittest. Who can find the? <laughs> it literally is. Who can find the? You know how many times we come home. Like, we just got, like, a fresh bowl of cherries. I saw them. They look perfect. It's cherry season, you know. I'm at home from work. I'm thinking about them cherries. That whole, like, five-pound bag is gone. It's, like, literally oh, survival. the worst. Oh, it's survival of the fittest. Is who can find the food and eat it before everybody else in my house. So, your, what was that, Alex? Your son is the most animated eater I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> if there's one person that I wish that there could be a pop-up bubble in their brain when they're eating, it's your son. I mean, he basically burns off the food as he's eating it because he's so animated. Everything. Uh, he'll, he'll he's sing. like a cartoon character. He'll oh, sing. Dude. He'll they're, dance. He'll yeah. talk to the food. He'll <laughs> play airplanes with the food. I mean, nonstop. Nonstop. But he, but he, too, is a little, like, greedy little bastard. I mean, that kid... He could have a four-course meal, and he hears you open up a bag of chips. He'll be right there. Can I have some? It's like, dude, you just ate. I just want some. It's not even about hunger. It's just about I want. I want some. That's all he does. And it's amazing. And, uh, he does burn it off probably as he's eating it because out of all of us, he is like by far the leanest out of all of us in the family. He's like lean. Like genetically, not my son. <laughs> Seriously. So – Fred, I want to talk about the Connoisseur Club. You got an upcoming broadcast, so tell us. You you reached out to me literally, like you wanted to be customer number one. Well, you sent me the message first, saying, "Hey, we're doing this," and, you, and then you told me what it was, and then I'm, I, you know, I said, I said it was a super cool concept because it kind of got back to the basics of, you know, we we've talked about it on other shows a little bit, but you know, where you smoke a cigar without any preconceived notions, and we've all been there. I've been there personally when people call me out, you know, you know, IPCPR and stuff like that going, Hey, what do you think of this brand? I'm like, eh, you know, it's just, I, I don't say anything bad about anybody cause it's, it's not my place and I wouldn't anyway, but it's like, you know what? It's, it's not my wheelhouse. That's usually my answer. If I'm not really, you know, it's not a cigar for me. 
And, you know, I've had people give me cigars unbanded. I try this, something working out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, this is really good. You know, where's it come from? And then they'll tell me, I'm like, wow, okay, I guess I got to revisit that person's portfolio because I kind of had written it off. So we all do it. We all do it when we look at a brand or we hear a name or even just judge it by what, what it looks like. And so I loved the idea of people smoking cigars. They have no idea where it's from. They have no idea what's in it. And just evaluate the cigar. And not, and not goofy evaluate it where you smell cranberries from the south side of the hill or anything like that. Just, just enjoy the experience of, of just not having any preconceived notions. So then I asked Abe, you know, well, you know, what are you doing? He's like, they're going to be five packs. And I said, what are you charging? And he told me the price. And I'm like, well, that's just ridiculously low. That's a no brainer. Um, so then I said, you said something about, would you do, uh, I said, oh, so then I said, I'm in, I said, I want number one, put me, put me first on there. Tell me what I got to do. I, I want in on this. Cause I, I want to have that experience myself. Cause I'm still a cigar geek that way. And then, and then you talked about a show and stuff like that. And so we're still trying to figure out exactly what it would be. But so the first Thursday of every month, we've got a different room. We've got a big room uh, on zoom where everybody can come onto the show and we're smoking cigar number three. And every first Thursday, it will always be cigar number three. And I saw some of the other guys are doing, I saw Kevin's doing one. Uh, I saw Dojo's doing one. I think that's great. So, but the first Thursday will be the big one where we're all there. We're going to have some prizes. We're going to smoke the cigar. Uh, and just talk about tobacco in general. And I, I love the grassroots of aspect of getting back to the basics on just smoking cigars. And then I like the reveal because I think that what's going to happen is a lot of guys, and it was funny because two weeks ago I was on one and everybody was smoking and I don't remember the cigar number. I think it was cigar number one, but I'm not sure. And it was fun listening to everybody judge the factory and go, oh, this is, you know, this, it, it, right? it's this construction. So it's this factory. And then, so someone asked me at one point, we're like, well, Fred, what do you think it is? And I'm like, well, I've been to, you know, almost all the factories and I do know some of the signatures that people put on it, but this is where, what, what's really different about this club. So, and this is kind of why I like boutique cigars a lot is that, and Abe brought this up and, you know, and Abe, you can elaborate on it obviously, but you know, you've given these big guys permission when they only have to do 750 cigars or 650 cigars yeah. for this club they get to go into tobacco that they can't use for production because there's not enough of it to maintain a line of a million, two million or anything going forward. So they get to go into their warehouse and find tobacco that they go, man, this is really unique. Um, it's what LA LEs used to be right. when, when, when a guy came across some tobacco and go, look, I've only got enough to make, you know, 2000 cigars or whatever it is. It's what LAs used to be. And so now you've given permission to cigar makers to go into their vault and go, man, I've been holding out of these two bales or whatever, one bale, whatever it may be, to make a cigar. And so when people were asking me, well, how do you do it? I said, well, I think it's going to be a lot harder than you think because they're grabbing tobacco that they wouldn't normally be grabbing. And it was fun listening to the guys try and guess what it was. And someone asked me what the best way to do it was. And I said, well, I think you're actually got to work backwards. You need to go process of elimination as opposed to, oh, this, this tastes like this cigar because I'm going to guess. Um, even for somebody like me, and I'm look, I, I've got a, a decent palate, and I've had the opportunity to smoke a lot of different, you know, tobaccos before they're even blended. Even me, I'd be surprised if I would be correct on the factory, um, even a third of the time. That that would be a, that would be a win. It's it, it's like a, it's like a baseball record type thing, you know, a hitting record. Um, I think it's going to be really really tough, and I think it's going to be really eye opening for a lot of people. So I was in. I'm like, let's do a show. 
Um, you know, and let's just, we'll make it always the same cigar. So everybody knows what cigar to hold back, which, so it's always number three. I, um, I also think it's going to be kind of cool because I think it's going to give some of the manufacturers leeway to work out of the box that they normally might be more comfortable working in because they know they're not making a brand that's going to be out there and whatever. So I think there are times where they may be not comfortable. I don't know if our fans would like this cigar. I really want to try this. I think you'll, you'll see a little bit of people and some of these companies making things that may not be traditionally what they would normally make too. So I think it's going to be interesting, but you glazed over a little bit of the story, Fred. So Fred, after I kind of, you know, because Fred and I, we communicate just like a lot of us in the industry who are friends, we communicate, we pick each other's brains, we throw ideas at each other all the time. And so I was telling him about the program. He loved it. He's like, I'm in, I'm number one. We go, where do I sign up? And I literally said to him, I said, listen, I'm honored that you want to do this. And you know, you're always, you know, pitching me advice. And I think it was just coming off of sending me the alibi idea. I said, well, listen, yeah. I, I, I owe you one, you know, I'm just going to send you a subscription you you go through the program. I would love to hear your feedback. And then Alex came in my office and said, "Look, we we should coordinate some uh, gathering to smoke these blends." And as I started thinking of it logistically, I thought it was a great idea. But I said, "Dude, you know, coordinating doing five cigars every month on top of our workload on top of I said it's never going to happen. I mean, we're just we're just never going to do it. And like three months into this, we'll be burnt." You know, so then we got the idea. I said, you know, I know who would be good at this. And I said, I just gave him, I just gave him a, a subscription. So, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. I said, <laughs> I, said, yeah. I, know, I, said, I said, you know, I know I just gifted you that subscription, Fred, but I think I might have to make you earn it now. And I told Fred what I want to do, and he loved it. And then we just agreed that we would do the same cigar the first Thursday of every month so people would learn the routine. And we would just do one cigar as a group together. Then... On his own, uh, Quentin, who's kind of been running our whereby chat that we had started during COVID, and, you know, after we got back to kind of normal life here and we all started working, you know, 60-hour work weeks, you know, I, I just haven't been able – look, it was great during COVID because I was home all day with my kids and my wife. By 7 o'clock at night, they were sick of me. So I said, hey, I'm going out in the patio, you know, to get, you know, get on whereby for the rest of the night. Nobody cared. But when you work all day and you come home, you know, you can't just say, hey, I, I got to go check out. So – Quinn's kind of been keeping it alive, getting guests on from time to time. So then he made that post on his own. I didn't even know he was going to do it. And then I reached out to him. I said, look, I, you're more than welcome to use the whereby room. You just can't do cigar number three and on, on the fourth. Because I think there's already like 50 or 60 people that are have committed to to doing, you know, the whereby rooms only hold 12 visually. Right. But I think we can hold at least 50 in the Zoom room we got. So um, it should be a nice crowd, you know. It should be a nice crowd to see how that goes. On, on, and that'll be, yeah, it was. What was that? It's on the February 4th, which is Thursday night, and it's 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time? 8 p.m. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. There you go. Now, if anybody's yeah, was... listening, if anybody's listening and doesn't know what we're talking about, we're talking about a new subscription experience-based program that we started called the Connoisseur Club, which is basically you get – five cigars a month from five different manufacturers of cigars that never existed. These were rolled and made specifically for this group to try. And you don't know what they are. And your job is to kind of enjoy these cigars, take notes. And then on the 14th of every month, about 30 days later, you get to scan a QR code, enter in your data, which we're going to you know, keep 
a library of, and then we reveal it to you. And we tell you what the cigar was, who made it, what was involved. And actually, every manufacturer that's made a cigar for us has submitted like a little 60-second video talking about what inspired them and what they you know, went into making of that cigar. And I like the library concept because, look, everything about this program was very important to me to be transparent and make sure that the credibility and the plausibility is there because, you know, we want these cigars. To, I, I didn't even want to ask manufacturers that I didn't think would just take it seriously of what we're trying to create or didn't understand the process. But the fact that every cigar ever made for this connoisseur club will be libraried and the aggregate data will be displayed there. And I think as time manufacturers see this and they, they don't want to be the guy who made the lowest scored right. star. Don't, don't be the low man on the toe. Right. Don't be the low man on the pole. I think these <laughs> blends are just only going to get better as as the the program you know moves forward in the future. So if you here's your question, just go to smoking.com. There's a connoisseur club tab and it can tell you all the information. They're still open. It's a very limited club. There's five hundred spots. When it fills up, it's gone. Abe Abe caught me on that Godfather moment because literally it was the hey man you know I appreciate what you know all all the help or whatever over a period of time and I'm sending this subscription and stuff like that and it literally all of a sudden at some point when I got the next text from you like two days later it was like that Godfather moment of like look I'm giving you this subscription I may I may want a favor later in the future that day may never come well that 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 day came 48 hours later when he's like hey we really want somebody to do this now I do want to say one thing about about the first Thursday that is different than the whereby chat and and I, and I think it's awesome by the way when I first saw that, I'm like, God dang it. I wanted to be the guy doing it, and they're kind of doing it on their own. But you never want to stop that. I mean, I think that's super cool, and the, and the people that are stepping up for that is really neat. But the one thing that, that I told Abe, and immediately after I saw it, is like, okay, then we have to be allowed to do this on my show. One will have prizes. But number two is it will be the only one that we will announce at the end of the show. We'll let people guess whatever. It's the only one that we will announce. What the, what the wrapper, binder, and filler is. We're not going to give away the factory. Correct. But it's the only show that we will actually, by the end of the show, we will reveal at least what the components of it are. Yep. Yes. So yes. how confident are you in being able to name the tobaccos? Because obviously you have tasted, like you said, you know, pre-blended tobaccos before. And do you, can you can you taste tobaccos? Like, can you can you pick out? A, a tobacco, a type of tobacco, you, you, or you or can, and you you can for the most part, um, because and, 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 oh, so it's like cooking. It, it'd be like if you never had like onions, peppers, tomatoes, or whatever, and then you got to taste those ingredients separately. So then all of a sudden, if somebody threw them all together and you tasted something, you go, "Oh, I taste this. I taste that." The, the challenge is, is that in the cigar world, you know, like I used to do an event called Hacking the Blend where I brought a deconstructed cigar that they had burritos of just Omotepe and just, you know, Esli Lajero and just Jalapa. And so they got to taste mm -hmm. just that. Then we finished with the final cigar and they could smoke and go, oh, okay, I can see why Jalapa is in most Nicaraguan blends. Because when you smoke it by yourself, it's like, it's okay. But it's, 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 it's a single dimension, single tobacco. Um, so... If guys have had the experience of trying different ones, then yes, you get good and go, oh, I, I definitely taste Omotepe in this. Now, that said, when you start getting factories, and what's really cool about this is everybody gets to have fun, not just the consumer and smoking something that doesn't have a ban on it and they don't know what it is. The manufacturer gets to play with tobaccos that he normally wouldn't have in his wheelhouse. You're going to find manufacturers that have tobacco that you had no idea that, they, that that's not even in their blends. 
Right. They're going to go, right. but they did this for this thing. So it's going to get it's going to get very difficult at that. And then also they may have done something unique in the fermentation. They may have done something unique in the aging process of it. You know, maybe longer, and then some of the some of the other flavors go away, and some of the other ones settle. So I think it's going to be a big challenge. Um, I think anybody that is very very good can get close, but I would be surprised if anybody even has the ability, with the exception of a master blender. Um, and by the way, um, that is, I mean, the whole master blender thing out there, there's a handful of master blenders. I mean, true master blenders that you can give them any tobacco, they can tell you what it is. There's a lot of guys labeled master blenders and are very, very good blenders. But it takes, it would take a very sophisticated palate uh, with a lot of experience to truly nail these blends with any consistency whatsoever. Right. Now, Fred, we haven't asked up to this point, but what are you smoking? Um, oh, yeah. So I had smoked an Andalusian bull oh. um, that, that I actually have, have revisited because um, when it first came out, I thought it was good. I was not enamored by it. I think it was, you know, Cigar Aficionado's number one. And I'm like, okay, good. We all can talk about that list and go whether we agree or disagree with it. I think it's actually gotten more agreeable for me in the last several years than it was, say, five, six years ago. Um, so that was actually the first run of Andalusian Bull. It's been in my humidor a long time, and I smoked it. It was very good. And right now, I have a... Um, so I needed to stay big on this. So I actually have Roma Crafts Neanderthal, which is one of my favorite kind of go-tos. I probably have about eight go-to cigars. So now I have now I have the uh, Neanderthal uh, Roma Craft Skip Martin, which I love this cigar. Um, and it's interesting, because this came up uh, as one of the factories in the meeting the other day, because people were talking about construction. In uh, this one, you know, Neanderthal is definitely one that has... Uh, more of a compact construction, but still has a good draw, which is hard to accomplish. And there's only so many factories. So the cigar we smoked the other day, and I want to say it was cigar number one, uh, guys were guessing factories. And it'll be interesting because I actually don't know the factories on these. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what everybody comes up with. I don't, I've heard a lot of guesses, and Alex can back me up on this, but I don't think I've heard anybody guess one right yet. Yeah, I've been like, I've popped in the chat rooms. I've been looking on Facebook, and up to this point, I have not seen one correct no one, guess. No one's as, got a right as guess. As far as factory, no. Yeah. I've seen one correct wow. guess. So, yeah, yeah. so the well, you said, will be a lot of fun. You said something very important, Abe, a couple of weeks ago that I, that I think is worth revisiting on here. You actually have contracted out to, to cigar brands that you don't even carry in your shop. So, we, guys, we are have, going. We have one this year of really, we don't really carry the brand in the shop. And I hope to expand on that. You know, it's about finding the right company that will want to work with us, even though I don't buy his brands, you know. But, you know, you know, either you want to be part of the experience or you don't, you know. And I think working with a couple other companies that, that would be willing to do that would be cool. But, you know, I was on such a crunch. I was on such a crunch to get this done. When I, I thought about it during COVID, and I knew it took time for these to get into production schedules, and it's just not easy. So, um like I said, this is definitely going to be one of these programs because Alex and I have already thought up of very cool things we're going to tweak in the next few months coming into this program. It's going to just evolve into a better, 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 cooler program as we go on. But, yeah, I'd like to involve more people who we don't regularly carry because I've been saying this from day one. This isn't about selling cigars. You know, it's not like our Cigar of the Month Club, which is made to sell cigars right i'm trying to put five cigars and create new experiences in your hands hopefully you find something that you like or love that you've never had before and then you use our code and you we sell cigars that's 
strictly a program designed to sell cigars. There's no end product here. You know, this is really a, an experiment, a social experiment. It's some data acquisitions about blends. It, for us, it's good sourcing because if something's a big hit, there's nothing that says we can't make it a future micro blend and bring it back for everybody. Everybody loved the cigar because at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. We want to make people happy. But um, there's no end product. If, if it, we, we, we did an overrun of each cigar because obviously there's some sticks get damaged. Some packages may get lost in the mail. We want to smoke a couple of each to make sure, you know, we like it or, you know, there's nothing wrong. And um, whatever's left we're going to put up online five packs, but it won't be that many. I mean, if there's 15, 12, 15, five packs of each one at the end of every month, you know, it'll be a lot. So um, it's not sales driven. So, you know, for us to work with these outside manufacturers is very, very cool. I hope to do a lot more of that in the upcoming months of this program. Who Whose idea was this, Abe? Was this yours? Was it a collaboration? It's a great idea. It really is. Yeah. Well, because... Look, here, here's the thing. Since we started our Cigar of the Month Club, right? I mean, and, and, and I, I'm just going to say it because I see it out there. I'm out there on social media. The people who are in our Cigar of the Month Club not only enjoy the club, they are devout, hardcore fans. They appreciate what we do. They go. They talk about it. Anytime someone asks what Cigar of the Month Club you know, is out there that's good, you'll see 30 guys chime in. So they're hardcore. But I got tons of messages, you know, can't you do a, a premium club, a more expensive club? Everybody wants something different. So the problem is, and I try to say this as often as I can, there's major logistical thousands of subscribers to a club. I mean, we have logistical problems just with regular production brands, right? So if I did a luxury club and charged $75 a month, there's not that many luxury brands. In like seven months, I'll, I'm going to be struggling to find another. I'll, I'll have to start, instead of looking for quality cigars to put in the club, I'd have to start looking for any Tom, Dick, and Harry who's making a cigar and threw a $20 price tag on it, regardless of credibility, regardless of construction, regardless of quality. So that club doesn't logistically work for us. And then people want rare and limited cigars. And I've said this a million times. I've been in this business 25 years. With all the connections and all the people I know, there's no way I could find rare and limited cigars to sustain a, 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 a subscription of thousands of people. Forget about it. I couldn't do it for hundreds of people. It doesn't exist. I, I personally couldn't do it. The, the mere words rare and limited and subscription is, right. is contradictory. Right. So as I kept getting these emails, I'm trying to think of what I could do. And the only thing I could say I could do is I have to have cigars made. Right, I have to go to these manufacturers and say, you need to make something special. It's going to be a stupid small run. And Fred will tell you, there's not one manufacturer I'm going to go to that's going to be excited about making 650 cigars. Right? That's, that's, more, that's more of a nuisance for them than it is like, oh, let's make... But when I explain to them the process of the blind tasting, the collecting data, gives them an opportunity to have test blends to put it out there and see what's going on. The fact that we may, you know... Uh, and that we're going to keep this library, then some of the real passionate guys really got excited. Oh, oh, I, I, I mean, some of these guys right by the phone, I've been working on this blend. I know exactly what I'm going to make you. Like, because like, they're all developing stuff on a regular basis. Fred will tell you. They don't stop thinking. You know, they're, they're, uh, the blending process and ideas for blends is, is part of their creative process and what they do. So some of these guys got really, really excited. And um, 
that's how it developed. And, and it took us a lot of work to put it together and, 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 and get it. And we knew, we knew, we, I, I thought about it. I, I think it really happened during one of our whereby chats. And, um, it, we got it to, we, we knew we wanted to launch this January and, uh, we got it out there. And, and so far, everybody's been really enjoying It's a process. It's, it's a literal experience process. So everybody seems to have been responded very, very well. I think some people got a little freaked out by it. Because, you know, look, this is one of those things as a consumer. It's pressure. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's the nice thing about it is you could take it to the level you want. Right. You could sit back and enjoy five never made before unique blends. You take down some composite scores. You rate it one to ten on construct. And, and, and that's it. And enjoy it. Or you could be one of those guys who really wants to do a deep dive and, and start going for flavor tones and trying to guess wrapper and trying to guess binder and trying to guess. Fill. We're not collecting all that data. I'm not collecting what you thought if you thought there was cherry oak or, you know, buttery. We're not, we're, we're just collecting pretty much overall composite scores because that's something we can take from everybody and formulate it and, 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 and library that data. So, um, it, it's nice because so you could you could take it as seriously as you want, or you could just take it as casual as you want. And I think as the reveals come out, and after the reveals come out, I'm actually going to broadcast the videos of the manufacturers talking about what they made, because as consumers hear this, go, well, that sounds like it'd be awesome. Well, you didn't get it because the only way you could have tried it was had you been in the connoisseur club. You know, I, I think I think it's going to be well received much more in the upcoming months. Yeah, and I just I think, want to point I, out. Like I said earlier, the, the, the back to the sorry, the back back to the basics of just smoke a cigar and and evaluate the experience without any preconceived notions in there. And and Abe's absolutely right about the you know the rare and limited. I mean, there's there's this perception out there a little bit. I'm not sure where it came from. I've got a couple ideas, but you know that that all these factories have these you know corners of the aging room that have ten thousand cigars that have been there since you know 1994 <laughs> and stuff like that. And, and I see people release that and go, we, you know, we found these cigars and stuff like that. I've been in a lot of these factories. They're not sitting on 10,000 cigars sitting in a corner that nobody used. Occasionally you have one that maybe somebody had a blend for a shop that they didn't end up, you know, buying them because of whatever reason. But that, that, that doesn't happen. There's not enough to sustain a club on a rare and limited scenario like this. But there is enough to go to a great cigar maker and go, hey, make whatever you want. Make something that you're working on. Make something you've always dreamed of doing, but you know you couldn't put out with, you know, your, your, your true LE that's something unique, but now you don't have the pressure of, oh, you put out an LE, but I can't buy it again. Everybody knows the rules going in, and I, I think it's going to be a great experience for everybody. Yeah, I do too, man. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud, and I'm excited of uh, the program, and I, I'm looking forward to see how it evolves, you know, in, in, the, in the months to come. But um, and, and, and the nice thing about it is, look, if the demand is there, because look, I mean, I, I've said this all the time. We're in the business of making people happy. We're in the business of creating experiences that people appreciate and love. And if the demand is there, there's nothing that stops me from going to a manufacturer and say, look, we, won't, we need to go from 650 to 1300. It, it, it's, it makes no difference to them. You know, to stop what they're doing to make 650 cigars or 1300 is like a couple hours, you know. Of, Ask before lunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> makes no difference to them. So we can up it. The only problem is if we make that decision today, you won't see it for probably about six months. So it's it's just one of those things, but that's because everything's being done on the up and up, and uh, I'm excited about it. I'm glad Fred said yes, so I that I kind of feel, in retrospect, it was it was kind of a bait and switch on him, but we appreciate it. And it was it was uh, <laughs> look look, 
we're all about experiences and having fun. That's what the show's about. We have fun. We don't even know what we're going to talk about half the time. We just wing it because oh. we're oh. having fun. So really, I, I think it was like almost uh, you know serendipitous that Fred reached out to me because I really think Fred's – look, I'm not a uber palate guy. I don't have a super palate. That's why we don't review cigars. It's never been my stick. KMA Radio will never review cigars. I can pretty much tell you if it's medium – mild full or anywhere in between and i could tell you if i like it or if i don't like it and that's kind of the end of my you know rating system so you know fred for me was a guy who's been in factories made his own cigars has the experience and more importantly has the personality you know and 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 will sustain and 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 make a fun time of it so i appreciate it fred you agreeing to do that for us is an honor so I appreciate that. And I'm also not the guy, by the way, that is going to tell you all these flavor profiles and stuff. I taste tobacco. I taste yeah. different types of tobacco. I taste, you know, it's probably the seven, you know, different senses and stuff like that. I'm not the guy that gets boysenberries and pineapple and chicken and all that stuff out of a cigar. Um, I'm not the guy to play that game. I had some very nice, you know, uh, offers on and come on and do reviews for us and stuff like that. And I'm like, my reviews would be boring. <laughs> I'm better off. Just, I, I could probably reduce it down to a, you know, mild, medium, full, thumbs up, thumbs down for me, whether it would work into my rotation. That's about as far as I'm going to get. Um, you can ask me what cigars are you smoking, and I can rattle off eight that are probably, you know, in my constant rotation. I can rattle off some brands that I'm absolutely in love with that, that, that if you said, hey, Fred, you're on an island, you can only bring one brand with you, you know, all of their lines, which brand would you bring? I can do that. But as far as breaking down flavors to that point, um, it's funny. I think it evolved that way. I think if you go back and look at old reviews a long time ago, there was only a couple different points. There wasn't necessarily first, third, second, third, 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 fourth, third, which is my favorite. Um, you know, I mean, it's just you know, and and it's like you know, if you go back there, probably like the average number of flavors that were in there were like three or four. You know, and they were basic. They were cedar. They were earth tones. They were hay. There were things like barnyard, things like that, which I don't like that word, but I understand how it fits in. But then it's like it's like every year, like another flavor came in to where you get to now, and there's like you're reading this review and you're going through, and they read these 16 million different flavors. And I actually had a review of mine done this way that I'm reading the review, and it was a big reviewer, and he got like 23 different flavors in it through the various thirds. And then I'm reading the summary, and this is, although it wasn't a very complex cigar, and I'm like, what the hell? How did you get 23 flavors? By nature, it would have to be complex. I don't agree with you, but by your own writing of getting all these flavors, it had to be a complex cigar to get right. all those flavors. So right. I think I think they've evolved, and, 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 and people like it. And they're telling a story about a cigar now, but they're not necessarily – because reviewing a cigar in its own right about tobacco is pretty boring. My favorite tasting note of all time, Hall of Fame tasting note, and any of you Espinosa, La Zona Palooza fans will remember this, was taco meat. There it goes. Yeah. Taco meat. Favorite tasting note. Bubblegum. Taco meat. Yeah. So they still, we, every time we talk to them, they always bring that up too. That, that's funny. <laughs> well, we got Coop coming on. So we're going to, we're going to bring Coop on and see uh, what is the scoop with Coop this week. What's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. There he is. There he is, Coop. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Fred. How's it going? 
Good morning. And if you bring up the Green Bay Packers and Matt LaFleur being a crappy co- you know, coach, then we're going to have words right here on the show. So just stick to your lane. <laughs> we, have a, we have a full three-hour show on Tuesday with John Carney where, where I will break that down in detail. <laughs> Deer in the headlights. Deer in the headlights. You got the wrong guy to argue the other side of that one. <laughs> no, but I'll be told that Tom Brady's the greatest for three hours too. So, which he is. Yeah, he won't, you know, yep, above reproach. Coop, what's the scoop this week? Wow. So there. I mean, you want to, So there's a report that broke during this show that um, I, the, show, the show now. No, while your show was while the show was on, a story yeah. is broken. Oh, okay. So this is under that report scenario. Juan Cancel's calling me during the show. By the way, he's probably watching. <laughs> give, us, too. give us a little no bit. Hey, no, it's give not about Juan Cancel. Volume. No, okay. Give us a little bit lower volume, Coop. Okay. So the how's that? Better. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. So so the report is that Jim Young, uh, who is the who uh, Davidoff is out. And that's from Half Wheel, um, and the sources wow. look pretty accurate right now. So Jim Young, a lot of people may remember, he ran the uh, Davidoff's U.S. business for many years here. He was at the helm when Davidoff was really at their peak in, in, during the last decade. He, he's been over in Europe the last three years uh, running that end of the business. Apparently he's out right now, and he's um, apparently there was a memo that was circulated within Davidoff last, uh, like yesterday, and his departure has been termed immediate, so... That's all I have on there, but that was reported from Charlie wow. and Half Wheel. Wow. Well, let, me, let me ask you something, Coop. Mm-hmm. Do you think his move to Europe was a promotion or a move? So at the time, I think it was a move because... Yes, yeah, so did I. I never took that as he was moving up in the company. Because for a while, he was wearing both hats, running the European piece and the U.S. piece, but he had moved over to Europe. And then about a year later, you know, that's a lot to do. Dylan took over the U.S. piece. So that was kind of always my feeling from the beginning is I don't think that was a promotion. They gave him a new title, Chief Commercial Officer. but Yep, I uh, I agree. Yeah, I didn't feel that was a promotion either. Yeah. So that was a big surprise. Um, Like I said, it's under report, but I'm hearing it sounds accurate right now. Hey, Paul, we're going to send you to Europe to handle our European KMA division. <laughs> it's a promotion, that Paul. It's a promotion, Paul. We don't, we don't pay you any more money, but yeah. Do, do I get to pick I, I, where, I, I, where like, I live I in like Europe? Jim, I like no, no. Jim Young. I, 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 he was a great guy. I mean, I, I had a lot of conversations. He gave me a lot of good advice early on here when he was on with Davidoff. Um, you know, he, 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 that position in the U.S., which Dylan has now, is very interesting because it's it's the – the bridge between the European market and running the U.S. side of Davidoff to to translate for him, if you will, not just language, but also our market is very different than yeah. the European market. I thought I thought he did a phenomenal job over over here handling that. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, it was surprising, but like I said, I'll put that under the word report because I haven't actually, I, you know, I've been starting to just try to confirm mm-hmm. this. Just curious, no rumors. Would, no rumors. Rumors. would that technically make it a rumor? No, I mean, there's there's a source cited here. I mean, there's a report. Of, uh, there's some work. Breaking in the news. Memo. Yeah, there's a there, there's um when I see internal memos and quotes from the internal memo, you know, I, I could say there's some accuracy. And Charlie does his due diligence on this stuff too. So, um, I'm gonna kind of trust him on this one. All right. All right. What else you got going on? All right, I got to make one correction from last week, and this. I'll Ooh. put this under my brain. My brain was a, re- a redaction. 
<laughs> Correction. Um, so I mentioned about uh, Ford Cigar Company, uh, and I mentioned that they are going to be taking on a cigar called El Rico Habano. That was incorrect. Uh, it's El Rey del Mundo. So yeah. I don't know where my head was uh, last week. Apologies for any confusion on that, but it is El Rey del Mundo. That was correct on Coop. I don't know why it wasn't correct when I was talking. I, I had the notes right in front of me, so go figure. Did- let me guess. Alan Rubin messaged you like in five seconds. <laughs> he was one of several. He yeah. was one of several. I mean, there were several people who did. Uh, so. Coop, you know, it's not the Rico Habana. It's El Rico Mundo. It's El Rico Mundo. <laughs> the, fake, the fake Alan Rubin. The fake yeah. Alan Rubin. The yeah, fake Alan he wasn't Rubin. He wasn't a good old Alan. Um, other than, so there's some other news, and this is kind of – Steve Saka made a lot of news this week. I don't know if you heard. So – Beginning of the week, he, his cigar was uh, won the half-wheel consensus, which is the aggregation of all the online media best of lists, and he was thrilled um, on that because he had never won it before, and he's like been second like four times. And he said so, he wants that he wants that trophy so bad. He wanted that trophy. So I don't know if it. they're giving him a trophy. It's their deal. Uh, but but I don't know if you heard. Last night he lost his meatball championship. I heard that. I and I guess it, so that's the thing run up, run up by the Cigar Authority and the two guys people. So I just put it on last night because uh, I have the computer hooked up to the TV now. And I'm telling you, my wife is watching a cigar podcast for the first time of this meatball competition. <laughs> she's never watched like, my show or KMA, but she's watching this meatball competition last night. Who did he lose to? He lost yeah, that's to, what he was lost that? to... He lost to Oliver Nouveau. Oh. Yeah. Who, uh, that, so that, it was considered an upset. But uh, Matt, Matt Tobacco and Nicole, they were actually up there. So while I have the Cigar Authority thing here, I have my phone going, and Matt's doing, like, live reports from the meatballs. And he's, like, you know, he's analyzing the meatballs in the middle of this whole thing. Um, but, yeah, apparently, uh, and actually, I guess the one that Matt voted for was Oliver. He didn't know it because it's a blind tasting. It was Oliver's meatball, and Oliver's meatball ended up beating Saka. So are there tasting notes? Do, like, do the guys tasting the meatballs go to I taste Jalapa and actually Lajero? Is there a crossover there, or how does that work? Uh, I guess uh, it's like hints of you know ground veal and ground beef, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, overtones of spices, assorted spices, I guess. <laughs> that's an upset. That is so that's did, an upset. Yeah. Did losing the meatball contest dampen the consensus number one award, Matthew? <laughs> I, I Saka's quick. Where does that weigh? Where does that weigh in Saka verse? Saka's Saka's taking the approach. Well, I don't have to do meatballs next year. That I, you know, that now that I lost, of course, of course. you know, big burden. But he was. Here's the thing. He was posting pictures of him making these meatballs Thursday. Right. So he, you know, and he's like, oh, look, you know, he's like, and he was, yeah, yeah. He's Abe. He's in. He's weighing out the meatballs that each each meatball weighed exactly the same. Listen. Should, yeah. You don't have to tell me. We're in the middle of the conversation. No. I got to go make 100 meatballs for tomorrow's event. Leave me alone. Right. right. <laughs> I'll Good put this out there. I'll put my meatballs up against anybody. Oh. You've had my meatballs. I mean, they were good, but that's a big statement. I'll put my meatballs wow. out there against anybody. Wow. See, I can't. And they're not these little nuggets I, that these guys make that I saw. Well, if you're but, making it for. Yeah, they're too small. When you're making it for, I don't make meatballs on. like that. When you're making it for a couple hundred people, you're making nuggets. Trust me. L- listen, in my household growing up, everything was made for 100 people. Whether it was made for yeah. four or made for 10, there was. 
18 uh, food, frozen containers of gravy people. and meatballs. Well, you know, and gravies. Paul, right. Paul, you claim to be of Italian descent. Do you make a meatball? <laughs> Yeah, I have a I have oh, a, a recipe that I I see a I competition here that I could directly benefit from. <laughs> Listen, I can tell you right now, just the fact that Paul used the word recipe, there's no such thing as recipe <laughs> for me. Oh, I oh, see. That's there we go. You have a recipe, and there's down. and there's any type of how much of something you already lost. No, no, no. Right. mine is all visual. I know, I know by the sight how much should be in there, and of course, Ooh. I always taste. You taste your raw meat, I'm assuming, right? You gotta There's taste the meatball meat before you. Cook All right, listen, it. Don't, yeah. don't give away your things, but we just gotta figure yeah, out a date. I don't know if I want to uh, wait this long, but I'd almost love to wait to do this for the official socialite herf, which I think is going to be October. You know, where we'll because um, I guess Tom and Michelle are coming down from uh, Alaska again for Tom's yeah. birthday, so. We were thinking of making the official annual <laughs> socialite shop all makes a beyond meatball. That's great. That's great. Uh, so maybe we'll have a socialite, smoking socialite herf during October, and you guys can we could throw down now amongst all the smoking fans who come from all over the country. That that's what but I'm I talking also, about. I also I never I never claim to have the best meatballs in the world, but I, I listen, I'll do my best and make my best meatball. I now you sound like soccer. Yeah, that's that's no, that, that's I, like, I don't make a good meatball. He's already. <laughs> I make it for me. He's already copping out. Okay, already that's that's a whole lot of backpedaling going on now. Now, that, uh... wait, wait, Fred, wait, Fred, you're in Florida. You know, we can't make this a publicized event now because Dave's going to hunt me down and say like, you know, we're, <laughs> right. we're doing a meatball event. But you know, right. yeah, we, 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 we got to do it. Fred's in Florida. Fred, do you make a good? Because I always see you uh, smoking and cooking stuff. You make a good meatball. No, no. Yeah. I mean, I make I make an okay one, but I wouldn't say I'd yeah. put it up against anybody. I tend to make I tend to make mozzarella stuffed meatballs. Um. So, but I wouldn't say that you know. I heard that's what know, won. I heard that's what won last. That's night. what won. Yeah. A cheese. So stuffed it, I didn't. Meatball. Yeah. I I that, I make one, but I mean, I can't say that that that's that's my wheelhouse. There's I'm, a lot of things I cook very well, but that's I wouldn't say that one. I'm totally shocked. Coop didn't have a problem with this because it's such Coop like. A, well, it's got cheese in it, so it's technically not a meatball. So it's really, you know, yeah, Coop's like one of these guys. Like that's not a meatball. I, you know, you, I, I, well, I wasn't. I, I wasn't at the competition, so I'm not. You know, I can't say. I, I, did, I didn't know what it was stuffed until it won, but but I don't know what the rules were. So it's their it's their but deal. Then it, but then it's a stuffed meatball. Right. Yeah. It's not a traditional meatball. Yeah. I. Yeah. So so it's an asterisk win. I, I thought it was interesting that Sako was posting <laughs> pictures of his meatballs. For the blind tasting, that no one mentioned oh, for, that, that that you know that for all these hours for, 20, for, 24, for twenty four hours. hours so if you yeah, so I don't know if people there saw what Saka posted, but you could probably figure out which one was Saka if you were there in person. Well, all right. Well, what other epic news do we have this week? <laughs> it's hard to top that, right? Um, I guess the, the, the one big story that came out was out of Mombacho Cigars. There's been some changes there. So Claudio Sroy, um, who was in the role of president and also serving as the company's uh, master blender, um, he um, is not going to be the president of the company anymore. He's going to be focusing on the blending piece. And Cam Heaps, who is a founder of the company, um, he is coming back into the role of day-to-day -day operations as president. And then concurrently with that move, uh, the company's also named the director of global sales, uh, Jared Ingrisano, 
A lot of folks may know him from his days at Drew Estate. He worked with Phil Zangi at Debonair for a while. So some changes going on in Mombacho this year. That sounds like a Jim Young move. Right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of does. Definitely doesn't sound like a promotion. No, no. I mean, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it sounds like what it is. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, I know Jared personally. Jared was a great rep when we had him, man. He just seems to be shuffling around post-Drew Estate, though. Yeah, I mean, he went over to Debonair for a while, and that, that didn't work out. And then he was doing some stuff, I think, with, with tours in Cuba for a while. Uh, he is a very good guy. I agree. Very good guy. So yeah, I like him. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the. I don't know the logistics of the macho, but um, Claudio focused slowly on uh, solely on the blending. Is, is you know, and I'm not saying that if it was too much attention away from blending, he's a very good blender. He, he, that, he's that, he's actually a really sharp guy. So I don't know logistically from a product creation standpoint that's bad. If he wasn't able to focus enough time on the blending, that would be interesting to have that being his sole attention. Yeah. I agree. I think it's, like I said, that's, he spends, I mean, last year obviously was different, but he does spend a lot of time down in Nicaragua as well. All right. Anything else going on, Coop? Um, that's that's pretty much it for this week. All right. You have any questions for Fred? Um. So, Fred, um, just wanted to ask one, one last question. Of course he does. Of course <laughs> he does. Um, how is the Hacking Gourmet Show going? It's fun. Um, it's it's an absolute train wreck. Um, I have a whole lot of appreciation for you know you guys that run shows and run them you know well and everything else like that. I mean it's just it's a couple guys that get on there. It's John Carney and Brian McGee and they're cooking and I cook about once every five weeks. But um, man, we need like a production dude that like does all the stuff behind the scenes because we're just we're just hacking our way through it, which is appropriately named. Spend a little more money than we spend on Paul. It'll you, help. You, you know, Fred, <laughs> I think I mentioned this. I think I mentioned this. That's a very video-centric show, what you guys are doing, which is complicated because it's very dependent on the video. You have the grill cams and a lot of things going on. So there's a lot of moving parts that you guys have on there. Well, and a guy, yeah, you're absolutely right. And a guy fires up a blender, and then you can't hear anybody anymore. <laughs> but um, – you know, last week we had Omar on the show, um, and I thought it was one of the best shows ever because we actually kind of dove into ingredients and histories and stuff a little bit more. Um, we're on like the 35th episode of it. I'm just, I'm just a meterator. I'm just the guy in there that tried to try to wrangle them and you know make sure the questions are going where they're supposed to go. Uh, it's really their show, um, but it's fun. I enjoy it, and I don't have to prep for it at all. I don't even read the show notes beforehand, so that's Carney's big you know thing with me. But like, I never agree to read show notes, you know. So. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> no one who just show That's notes. Okay, neither I... does Alex. <laughs> Alex is the guy who notices every week your show notes are wrong. Right. That's <laughs> why I don't read them because I know they're wrong. He read. Right. Them, he read them as we were going on the air. You yeah, the boxing thing wasn't even on the show notes. No, actually, he contacted you. Yes, see, Paul, you're always right. He contacted you yesterday. Him. I remember he contacted you yesterday because he said, uh, "I don't know if you know this, but the." Carmine video is a tie-in to Fred Rui, so to do it at the beginning of the show is not the purpose of it. He contacted you yesterday. So once again, Paul, you're wrong. I'm not going to fight. Yeah, you're speechless. That's why. That's why. Got nothing show to say. it with your meatballs, Paul. Yes. <laughs> I bet you Steph makes a better meatball. Hey, I don't know. I don't think she's ever made meatballs. I make the meatballs in this house. Mm. <laughs> she might. She, I mean, I try to blend meats. You know, I, I try to have three meats in my in my meatballs when I can. Three and, meats. And poultry isn't one of them. 
How, why would you put poultry in a meatball? Poultry? Where, where because a lot of from? people want turkey. People, oh, you know how many times people ask me to make turkey meatballs? It's I not, made them once. It's not, meat, never, it's not a meat. That's not a meatball. That's a turkey ball. I know. I know. They came out all right, but I, I don't like them. Evan Darnell just rolled around on the floor, like passed uh, out. Right. <laughs> you know what's good, Paul? Those turkey legs, those King Henry VIII's turkey legs at Disney. That That's where it's going to Disney for. Yeah, they're gross, but they do taste really good. <laughs> they're not gross. They're just a the mess. meat is all like the meat yeah. is all like red and dark and weird. Because and you can't find delicious. a Renaissance fair nearby or something. Why would you? I mean, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> a Renaissance? Do you still have Renaissance fairs? They haven't had one in Florida. They're Wait, here. didn't we go to one? We did, we did, and they had one the year after. They didn't have one. Yeah, um, we went to one. I COVID. remember. I remember we, we went to one back in the day. That's right. Yes, hashtag money trap. Oh, total. All that shit <laughs> money trap. All right, so listen, it's time for one of our new segments. If you're a boxing fan, you should get a kick out of this. If you're not, it's a good time to go to the bathroom before we get into our state asylum. It's time for Tale of the Tape. All right, Coop, don't forget to unmute your mic. We're going to answer pretty much the impossible question in 90 seconds. So this week is Mike Tyson versus Muhammad Ali in their primes. Now, when I consider Tyson in his prime is versus Spinks, and Ali in his prime for me is versus Sonny Liston. For me, I give Ali the edge in this fight. Um, I think that Ali has a discipline that Mike Tyson doesn't possess. I also think that um, Muhammad Ali would probably torture Mike Tyson leading up this fight. And looking at guys like Sonny Liston and Joe Frazier that Ali fought, he fought Tyson-type guys, and I think he's just able to mentally outwit Tyson through a fight. What do you got, Coop? I'm in agreement with that. Um, you know, look, Tyson could take Ali out with a, with a punch, but, you know, sure. Ali's not going to let that happen. And, you know, the one thing is I know we're looking at this at their peak. And I'm not looking at the declining Mike Tyson, but, you right. know, Ali still had that ability to come from behind in a fight. And Tyson never in his career would ever show that, even when he was I at agree. his prime. So I look at Ali and there's that heart, there's that intangible factor that I feel, you know, would have given him the edge there for sure. You know, um, so I'm taking Ali. Uh, I'm taking Ali on this one. I agree. We're in agreement. I'll be interested to see what everybody else says. Great, great. Absolutely. Always a great question there. Well, I'm curious. Is it, You guys didn't say, is it a knockout or is it go the distance? Um, I mean, I think a distance fight definitely favors Ali. It could be a knockout. We know that Mike Tyson can get knocked out. I don't know if Ali's the guy that can do it. But um, it's very possible, especially like you said, you know, uh, I've never really seen Tyson in danger in a fight where he was able to come back. Yeah, I, I would say it would be, I, I would still say it would go to go to 12 rounds. The that would be my fair. opinion. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, but, you know, like I said, if Tyson just kind of was had that little bit of an off night, like he showed, you know, he, 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 could, he could get knocked out very easy because he right. just couldn't, once he got hurt, he couldn't come from behind. You know, the interesting thing in all this is if you ask Mike Tyson and people has, he undeniably says he could not beat Muhammad Ali. He he has a respect for Ali. Um, he talks a lot about that. 
Um, he talks about the night Ali lost to Larry Holmes, and you know he was crying. He said, right. "Ali was his hero." Yeah, and that was in his mind when he when Tyson fought Holmes. Yep, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's Ali, no question. I think what happens is is that uh, Tyson doesn't know what to do when he's tried all of his signature moves. Now he's four rounds they, into it, and none and of them worked. Work, right. And Ali just keep just keeps now. Now all of a sudden, he start Tyson goes out of his out of his wheelhouse, starts making mistakes, and then Ali capitalizes on it. And I think it's by knockout. Right. And, and again, you know, I I think Ali would torture Mike Tyson leading up to the fight. Torture oh, him. Oh mentally. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you have a funny oh, yeah. voice. I can make fun of the voice and everything. Yeah, you can. Right. He's the psychological game also. Right. Tyson wasn't psychological. Ty- Tyson won half of his fights like in 90 seconds, you know. So, I mean, yeah. bottom line is Ali has the mental ability to just torture him yeah. and taunt him, which would just piss him off even more. And then you start making mistakes. The right. original trash talker, literally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, it's time this week to see who belongs in a cigar insane asylum. Don't be Florida. Please don't be Florida. Welcome to the Cigar Asylum. Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. Where logic and reason cease to exist. Okay, so I have to preempt this because we didn't have our KMA meeting because Paul was shaking hands with Mickey Mouse. Uh, <laughs> yesterday <laughs> so did you just I, read it you don't like well it? hold on i just saw the picture and before i inclined to say anything i want to make sure this oh, wasn't the, the yeah you have to because i want to make, don't show it until i get there but i wanted I to make I sure won't. i gotta find i it. wanted to make sure sure this wasn't like the cause of some devastating tragic accident so then i during your intro i started reading a little bit and oh yeah i, I don't know where this guy is yet because i just skimmed it but this is totally qualified so this week's inductee had a dream. No, it's not Martin Luther King. And he achieved it, but with some complications. Anthony Lafredo, 32, has already covered his body, including eyeballs, in tattoos. He had his tongue split and his bid to look like what? Oh, in his bid to look like a black alien. So this dude is altering his body. To look like a back alien, not a Floridian. The Frenchman who documents his traumatic physical alterations for his 227,000 followers on Instagram wanted to go further. In addition to full body and face tattoo, multiple facial implants and piercings, he needed more to achieve his final goal. So in an attempt to look more like an alien, Lofredo said he had his nose and upper lip removed. The procedure was done in Spain because it's illegal in France. Um, in a video to his followers, he thanked the unknown person who performed the surgery, saying, now I can walk with my head high. Thanks to you, I'm proud of what we did together. At the least, that's what we think he said. With his nose and upper lip removed, he now struggles to speak clearly. But according to Lafredo, it was all worth it. Congratulations, Mr. Lafredo. You are without a doubt this week's inductee into the Cigar Insane Asylum. You got a picture of this dude? Yeah, hold on. I'm going to preface it with, here's a picture of him before. This is what he looked like. All right? This is a picture of him now. Jesus. Oh! <laughs> what the? 
Before? After. Do you see the whites of his eyes are tattooed as well? You can tattoo your eyes. Dude, this is like, who does this? What doctor doctor would agree to do that? They should have their their license removed. I don't think it was a doctor. When I started finding other articles about it, it sounds like it was a piercing guy, like a guy that... A guy that right. does like the tongue splitting that that said they would do it, but like I listen, I legitimately when I found this the other day, I cannot get this picture out of my head. Stop it showing so it! So horrifying. Why is it? Keep showing it. Hey, Paul, real quick, just to backtrack for a minute, we have some comments yeah. in the thread by a uh, Habibi Hishi Hashi. Is that Ronnie undercover? <laughs> yeah, you know yes. what? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. That, 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 that's got to be obvious it is. Name <laughs> <laughs> he, he made an well, appearance he on, on Facebook so often. Ah, is that what it is? <laughs> that's his alter ego he's on Facebook. Probably, he's probably in Facebook jail again. He must be. If he's he's operating Facebook it, and Instagram. Maybe is she? Anyways, <laughs> listen to all our fans out there. Thank you for joining us, giving us your Saturday morning hanging out with us. Hopefully, we made you laugh, Fred. Always a pleasure. We will see you the first Thursday of uh, February for the uh, the Connoisseur Club number three cigar that we'll smoke together. Coop, as always, thank you. Thank you. Gentlemen, it's been a great week, great show. Who do we got on next week, Paul? Dion. Dion Giolito. Speaking of a guy with with a super palate, this is one of the guys I qualify having a super palate. So it'll be interesting to talk to him. Maybe we should send him a Connoisseur Club pack, see what he thinks. That would be cool. All right. Until next week, everybody have a great weekend. Keep it lit.